All right, welcome everybody to another edition of Bottom of the Bill. We got Megan Baker on the show today. Hello. Thank you for coming. Yeah, yeah. thank you for being here all the way from St. Pete. And happy birthday, happy by the birthday. way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For sure. Um, yeah, it's really great to be up here, um, especially like because it's my birthday and I wanted to be up here with all my you know, other friends and stuff and get out of town. So Hell yeah. It's nice to be in a different city for my birthday. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. You wanted to get away from St. Petersburg to come here? Well, I mean, it, you do the same thing every year. Okay. You know, eventually you want something different. Yeah, so. yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, all right, well, before we get started with everything, I just want to uh, announce a couple of things. Uh, Side Hustle is doing the Billy Strings after party at Dog Rose Brewery on March 19th. Ooh. So, you're going to come up for that, too? I'm going to try to. Hey. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm going to try. We'll make sure to come on Friday. Friday? Friday. It's yeah. Friday. Do you even know Friday. when your own show is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we've been pretty busy with all the shows that we've been playing lately. So, <laughs> so many shows. Yeah, so many shows. It's nice to actually like hear friends that are in the scene actually having shows again with the whole COVID. Oh yeah, big time stuff. You know, like it definitely is nice to see everyone back out touring and doing shows and seeing the music industry coming back because it was definitely heartbreaking to have our whole industry collapse. Yeah, for sure. Especially like everybody had so many things going for them last year, I feel like. And then COVID just kind of took the rug out from oh, everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. Um, also, I got a couple things. Uh, Wednesday, I'll be at Southern Kitchen from 8 to 11. And then uh, Friday, I'll be at the garage from 9 to 1. Uh, Saturday, I will be at the Amelia, I'll be doing the Amelia Island River Cruise from 5 to 7. And then Sunday, I'll be at ABBQ from 12 to 4 for the brunch. And if you tip him $5, he will play Kiss from a Rose. I'll do that. $10, he'll do Brown Eyed Girl. Ooh. I'll do that one, too. <laughs> yeah, $10. And then $100 if you want to hear Mustang Sally. You <laughs> <laughs> know, I don't know it, so. I will I will bullshit my way through that song yeah, for, for 100 sure. bucks. <laughs> for sure, for Jimmy sure. Hendrix, right? Yes, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking guy. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so also... Uh, before we get started on on everything else, you, uh, you guys have Fools, Fools Paradise coming up. Fools engagement. Fools engagement. Yes. I don't know why I thought Fools Paradise. No, Fools engagement. Um, yeah, we have Fools uh, Fools engagement coming up uh, April first through the third. Um, it'll be at Ellie Ray's RV Resort in Brantford, Florida. It's so pretty. Yeah. It's such a cute little venue. I was venue. very surprised when we played a show there. I was like, oh, this is actually really nice. Oh, it's like a hidden gem. Like you wouldn't know it was like there unless you knew of it. The the. Words RV resort don't really, you know, make it sound like it's going to be a nice spot. Or like it, it even has like the capability of being a music festival. Yeah, of course. Although we do do OBJ at Sertoma Youth Ranch. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, names are deceiving. Yeah, for I sure. like that place a lot, too, though. Yeah. Um, LA Race, it's a beautiful property. Um, you know, we have, you know, great, great lineup. We have, you know, a lot of, you know, little arts and craft vendors, food vendors, um, you know, just everything trying to bring back music festivals, man. I mean, it just really, it's been really hard, you know, and people just miss that camaraderie. They miss that um, feeling that they get when they're at a place and you can just forget all your cares, all your worries. And, Who's you know, headlining? just, uh, <laughs> our I headliners know. are Dumpster Funk and um, Sun Squabby. Yeah. Oh yeah. I That's love ridiculous. Sun Squabby too. Yep. I'm I'm really excited about Ghost Note. Oh, Ghost Note's gonna be really fun, and um, Dumpster Funk's doing um, a Ghost Note little. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it either, but they're gonna like play together, right? Oh yeah, it's a uh, Ghost Funk. Yeah, Ghost Funk. Yep. Awesome. Nice. Oh, we yeah. do the Cheers. We're supposed to do the Cheers. Oh, yeah. oh, the Whoops. Cheers. cheers. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you guys. 
Must um, be nice to finally be able to drink legally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 33 today. Oh, nice. Yeah. Not too shabby. We're, yeah. we're, 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 we're not too far behind. I'm turning 32 in April. He's the same year as me. Yeah. yeah. So we're all the old dogs now. Yeah, <laughs> right. I actually think it's uh, I, actually, I think about it a lot and I get a little discouraged sometimes. But it's also like I feel like our generation of people like we we our generations like just kind of traditionally later to do things. Like if you think about like comedians and, and a lot of people in, in this generation now, you're not seeing so much of the of the success at like 18 or 19 like you're seeing it now at like in the 30s oh man yeah um i mean especially like there's a lot of like younger players and stuff that i've met um and it it definitely like reminds me like i mean i started out when i was you know 22 23 like doing festivals and you know shows and everything like that um but it definitely was you know a learning experience and you know i got I, I had a lot of people that were older you know like russ and you know people like that that kind of took me under under their wing to kind of you know teach me the ropes and everything and i remember russ and i were talking uh recently and i was like when did we become the old people and he goes yeah megan pretty soon we're gonna be doing bluegrass festivals oh, shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> then you'll graduate to blues festivals yeah, we, <laughs> then we graduate to blues festivals and then after that we just retire right yeah exactly like, it's like the natural progression that's right <laughs> i think you start doing cruises at that yeah point. cruises yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> um so what was the inspiration for for fool's engagement <laughs> um so uh uh tom laws actually was uh engaged to be married prior to oh. i didn't just put this together now i'm uh, already he, laughing about it <laughs> yeah he was uh he was he was supposed he was supposed to be married and it was prior to uh monster mash and um they broke up and you know his wedding was supposed to be april 3rd so we decided that we were gonna do a music festival that weekend instead and call it the fool's engagement <laughs> That's pretty. That's pretty good. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty genius, <laughs> actually. It's it's not quite. I mean, it's it's vindictive, but you know, like but I, it's 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 uh, but it works on so many different levels. So many levels, different though. levels. So many. Yeah, um, that's pretty funny. It's, we're really excited about this one because, um, you know, when I when I first came on with Tom and Clint, I was actually flying back from New York, and I had a layover in Houston, and I, you know, my phone turned it back on when I landed, and it just said you're working monster mash that was a statement not a question yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know so you know i've been with those guys now since like pretty much like september august like doing all the um shows and events that they've been doing and it's been really fun i really like it because i love i love those boys they're yeah. a pain in my ass but <laughs> i love them so much yeah i'm sure it's a good part um, partnership but yeah we just we make a really good team together and it's you know something that works and you just got to keep on doing it and you know we saw an opportunity and we seized it, and I'm glad that we did. Honestly, like, Hell yeah. it definitely has been a fun, fun ride for sure. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious as to as to how it all came together. So, how what's the process like of of figuring out how you're gonna put the schedule together and uh, booking the bands and and getting the sponsors and all that kind of stuff? How does that all work? Lots and lots of phone calls. Yeah, um, phone calls, emails. Um, you kind of just start off with just, you know, casting like a wide net, more or less, um, with bands that you would like to play there and everything and, you know, see what they want, see what you're willing to offer them and kind of try to figure out like a middle ground. Um, and then when you're, you know, building the actual lineup and everything or the, the schedule, 
um, you know, you kind of have to like think of, you know, not so much as like slower bands, but bands that are, you know, just a little bit more mellow and stuff that they're going to be like your morning bands and stuff, you know, but then when it starts to get into like your twilight time and, you know, get into that sunset, like you want people to like, you know, hype up the crowd because you want people to be like hype for the, the headliner and, right. you know, keeping people engaged. That's one of the biggest things is, you know, you don't want people to not like the show or, you know, not like the flow of the show and everything. So it, it is, it's a lot of just like sitting there in hours and hours and hours of just like listening to, you know, people's music and listening to, you know, what their discography is, like looking at their live shows even and seeing how they perform on stage and seeing how they interact with their crowd to kind of figure out and piece together like where they go like in the schedule, uh, you know, because you kind of just, you really try to make like a flow to it. You yeah, know? for sure. It's like a, like a really big playlist. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. It, oh, exactly. 100%. pretty good at that. Okay, I was great at mixtapes. Oh man, you should be a festival of murder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they go hand in hand. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not for the meek, man. I will tell you that right now. Um, I'm pretty cause, meek. Because there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into um, throwing a festival, and like I mean, even just like the littler, tinier things of how many people you're projecting to how many porta potties you have to have. Right. You know, just like even that like tiny little factor. Yeah, I'd probably be really bad at that. You know, yeah. and you know, okay, so there's gonna be this many people, I need this many dumpsters, you know, because they won't come and pick up the dumpster if it's over top of like right. the thing. So it's like, you know, if if it starts to get too full then you gotta run another dumpster and sometimes they don't have them available and you know, then it's you know, I never would have thought dumpster was a thing that I would need for a festival. Oh, yeah. pallets of water for your artists. I, could, um, I, I understand water. You know, <laughs> but I don't think. I would but never dumpsters, and then you need people to, you know, do your trash. You need people to clean the porta potties. Clean, yeah, you have to have the you know the septic people come out clean the porta potties. If they have actual bathrooms there, you need people like to you know clean the bathrooms and stuff. And especially with you know COVID times, like the amount of sanitation um, practices are super super more than you know i mean we still like had people you know cleaning bathrooms after every every time somebody used them but it's way way more now you know and, and it's definitely been a, a huge challenge to try to figure out um logistics and everything yeah. with festivals and stuff so i'm uh, somebody else i'm really curious about uh is how well you don't have to go into too much detail obviously but i'm curious as to how all this stuff is funded because you there's sponsors where money comes from and then you have ticket sales obviously have a ma major chunk of that i'm sure but how are you guys affording to pay <laughs> bands and staff and all that kind of stuff um uh when you first start out a lot of it does come out of pocket yeah um really like the rule of thumb is is that you really don't actually make a profit until about the third year right of, typical of businesses in general yeah yeah um so a lot of it you you know it is coming out uh you know of pocket and everything um sponsors definitely help um the vendors um they pay you know their vending fees okay. and everything um and you know a lot from the ticket sales um pretty much just you know fun like funds you for that first year your second year that pretty much funds the third year of the festival and really everybody thinks like these festival owners make all this money all this money but they don't realize like a festival costs you know one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars to throw right. yeah. you know at the very least and then you know you make you know 130 so you have like 10 grand overhead but next year 
it has to be better than it was right. the year before. It's so you're going to invest, you know, 130 now instead of 125, you know, and, it, and it exponentially it keeps growing and growing and growing. And, you know, yeah, you do see, you know, slight bit of profit. Yes, you do, you know. It really and truthfully to us, it's almost like throwing a big party for our friends. Right. You know, like it's right. kind of like ultimately become that. Um, like even with OBJ, I mean, OBJ is basically like the family reunion for everyone. And, you know, we don't want it to be, you know, a, a hula size you know festival that's yeah. why we've always kept it the way that it's that it was yeah like it's, with it's uh, not that it's like not grown or anything like that but it seemed this the same for the past like i don't know how long has it been well it's all for florida bands years, right? right uh no actually this year will be our 11th 11th yeah last year was, was supposed to be our 11th this this should have been our 12th year um uh, yeah. last year last year was uh because of the cancellation yeah. right we I had the obj 10.5 and we just did the whole live stream i remember for the that five days it was really neat i i, I really really liked that russ and andy like we're able to do that and put that together for everyone. Yeah, totally. Um, but I love that festival. I was just trying to say like that, that like you said, like it's like this is how big it's going to be and it's going to. Yeah, have, you know, and like that and it hasn't changed. Really and, and it has changed. We brought like new bands. Right, right, right. You and know, like new stages and everything too. But Yeah, new bands, new stages. Um, and there's always new people that get introduced and stuff. Yeah, of and they just kind of like get brought into the fold and, you know, they just become part of the OBJ family. Um, but it definitely, you know, we, we don't want it to, you know, be like, you know, like those big those big festivals and yeah. stuff like at Spirit of Swanee. It's definitely um, like a great springboard festival, though, for a lot of bands coming out of Florida. Oh, absolutely. It was it was definitely one for us when we played. I think the first year was like 2018 or 2017, and then years are anymore. Um, and then. That's <laughs> fucking. <laughs> yeah, it was 2018. Sorry. We did. I think, first, I think the first time you played was the was the Anton LaPlume band yeah. or we we had just switched from because I remember oh, we had got remember booked that. and we played at like 11 in the morning I think you yeah. guys booked it as Anton LaPlume but hit, like as like because I think I, I honestly think I still have a flyer that has the Anton LaPlume and then we printed a second round of flyers that side, had side hustle yeah exactly how, we had changed how, it. how high on the bill was that oh we were like way down bottom yeah. of the bill yeah. bottom of the Full bill circle. there you go bottom of the bill yeah. uh but for I, I know for us it was it was good because it kind of got us outside of like the buzz going outside of our home city. Well, and that's you know? the that's the coolest thing is that um, OBJ pulls uh, bands from all over Florida, so so it essentially pulls bands from all different you know um, places in Florida. So you know they get exposed to this music, and you know it. it you know people start talking about this band, and be like, oh, you need to hear this band, you need to hear this yeah. band, you know, and then you know venue owners who people know and you know bands that play at those venues they'll see a band um there was this one uh shaw davis and the black ties i remember that yeah oh my gosh dennis stadelman loved them man i've never seen him stand front row center for a band before ever and he was just deadlocked on these guys um but that's the cool thing is like th these are bands that like most people would have never you know heard of or given the time of day to and we used to and we still do um we invite out like you know paul levine we, we invite out um daryl wolf to come out to the festival and stuff i miss him very much and you know they they get to get exposed to these bands that they might not not have necessarily ever heard of as well so yeah. then these bands have you know the opportunity and they have the platform that they might not necessarily ever, you know, get or anything like exactly. that. It's almost like so. a music convention, for, like a Florida music it's a yeah. showcase. <laughs> yeah, it's a showcase, really. It's for real, yeah. 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 Um, and, I, and I love that that's what it's always been. I love that, that that's what we kind of like built the whole premise of it around. 
Um, and it's just, it's become one of the most like beautiful um, communities, one of the most beautiful shows I've, I've actually ever worked for sure. Yeah, like, it's, it's my, I think it's my favorite festival that I've attended or played. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved Halloween, just it was too many people yeah. for me to like, not obviously I want to play to a lot of people, right. but just like hang out there and be there. It was, it was like a sensory overload. Mm-hmm. And then Wani was kind of similar, although I liked it, it was just, it was a lot. And then, but OBJ was like this perfect kind of balance, right. uh, like, a, like a good amount of people, great music. It felt homely. Yeah, exactly. It's such, a, it's such a homely feeling. And like, you know, um, I remember one of my girlfriends, the first time I ever brought there, she was like, she's like, oh, I don't want to be left alone. And I don't really know anybody here. And she's like, what if somebody tries to, you know, bug me? And I was like, you have more of a worry of like everyone kicking that guy's ass, like rather than like somebody trying to like mess with you at OBJ. And yeah. I was like, you have no idea. Like this, that's. You know, not the way that this is. It's it's literally like, it's literally a family reunion. You can walk from campsite to campsite and, you know, meet new people. Even if you went there by yourself, totally. didn't know anyone, and you know, end up coming home with fifty hundred, you know, fifty new friends. You know that yeah. you that you just spend all your time with now. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I love that one for sure. I'm really excited to go back this year. I know. I'm we fingers fingers crossed. Like everything just works out and you know stays on course and everything um with the way florida's you know open and with their you know allowing us to do festivals and shows and everything um because it it was it was such a heartbreak to have to cancel the event you know after like doing it for you know 10 11 years strong and then all of a sudden it was like well now we have to cancel and russ and toby and i um went back and forth for you know a month almost and it was like you know we didn't want to announce it we didn't want to announce it we didn't want to announce it we didn't want to announce and then we were like (sighs) yeah once you announce it becomes real yeah and it was like we had to do it and everything and it was just such a heartbreaking thing yeah i was supposed to i was supposed to play with greenhouse yeah like oh my god i wanted to see greenhouse oh yeah that's like one band that like I remember getting introduced to at obj and falling absolutely in love with their sound I did. I did. I was one of my favorites. I used to always like anytime Greenhouse played anywhere near where I was at. I was like, yeah, we got to go to the Greenhouse show. Yeah, our, our band, uh, our band's changed a lot. It used to be like uh, it's all it's all instrumental now. There's no like uh, DJ or anything like that. So oh, I'm no playing way. all the all the synths and everything, and it's it's closer to it like a jam band like it used to be in the very beginning. I remember you guys did a Halloween show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In St. Pete with Zugma. Oh no! So I just joined the band about uh, oh, so uh, two years ago now. So that was my first exposure to Greenhouse yeah. and everything. Is it back in? Oh, goodness. Mm, 2011, I want to say it was. Yeah. Um, they played a Halloween show at um, in St. Pete, some, like, really weird venue. I don't even remember what it was. I'm probably not even open anymore. And they opened for Zugma, yeah. and I was just, like, dying. It was so it was so amazing. And then Zugma came out and played the um, Ghostbusters song, and they were all dressed nice. in the Ghostbusters outfits nice. and stuff. It was so adorable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never <laughs> got to see to Greenhouse uh, previous to when you joined them. By the They've time I so moved to Jacksonville, changes and everything like that. It's 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 so different. Like right. it it definitely is. Um, this one, it, this it, time around, we've had a really good uh, uh, what is it reaction to it or whatever. You guys response. have a good cast of people yeah, yeah, uh, up yeah. there. Uh, it's uh, it's me it's me now playing keys and all the synths and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, do you know Steve Honig? 
from uh, Spore. Uh, from Spore. Spore. Oh, yeah, 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 Steve, yeah. He's playing lead guitar, and he shreds, and he, he's completely changed. He looks like a damn rock star. He looks like Steve Tyler. <laughs> yeah, he does. Oh, my God, his shaggy hair. Yeah, he's... <laughs> it looks he's, like, yeah. He, he wears, like, he wears, like, the, the eyeliner, and, like, mm-hmm. he wears, he's, like, does... The, he has, like, the gold chain and, like, the but, open shirts, and but then, he's a complete rock star now. But then now, now they, uh, <laughs> uh, they went back to their original drummer, Jason. Oh, and yeah. Jason and Dave are, like, best friends and grew up together and everything like that, so it's, it's like, the whole, whole uh, uh, you know... More, more, more bets are organic sounding. Who's doing bass? Is it Dave? Yeah, it's Dave and Screen. Okay. Dave, Dave's always been okay. number one. You know I was hoping I mean? it was Dave still. Yes, it is. <laughs> but yeah, we were. Both I feel like you couldn't have that band somehow without Dave. <laughs> yeah, it's his, he is, it's he is Greenhouse. Yeah, I, I'm just lucky to be part of it because it's, uh, <laughs> it's me and Ronnie. Yes, okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun, too. And then everyone's like, yeah, I remember. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to take all the glory from like 10 years ago. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. I'm just in the band now. <laughs> exactly. But but yeah, we, played, we, were bu- we were booked for OBJ for like a, like a primetime spot on a Saturday night. I know. And that's probably the what one of the first festivals that Greenhouse has played. In yeah, because they, 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 they took they the hiatus yeah. for a little while. Yeah. yeah. Like what, what, three years? Four, no, four years. Longer than yeah, that. Cause, yeah. Was it that long ago Because I, I moved to Jacksonville in 2015. And they were like already wow. pretty much done by. They hadn't yeah. really been playing any shows by that point. Wow. So because I remember they were they like their name was still like buzzing, and I remember knowing who they were, but I ne- I wasn't seeing their name on bills or like didn't see them playing around anywhere. Right. So I think were, it was kind of like in the ether that they were. They were that on was break yeah. That was that towards point. the end. Like I want yeah probably 2016 2016 was like towards like the very very tail end of yeah. Greenhouse and everything yeah because like you just never saw them anymore and I think that was like right when they announced the hiatus and everything yeah and I, I had played uh, OBJ before as well with uh, Lucky Costello mm-hmm. do you remember them I, oh my gosh I missed them with Christian Ryan on this no 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 who is it oh go ahead no who is it don't forget the microphone. Oh, I'm gonna forget it now. Christian Ryan, like it, Leisure Chief, and that was yeah, that was Leisure, yeah, that Leisure Chief, and, and all that. No, it was. <laughs> trying to cool. remember who it was that <laughs> was the, who was it that started Lucky Costello? Me. Was it you? Yeah, what's up? Who else was in that band? Now, uh, like I'm drawing such a my my uh, uh, friend Jerry, Raymondo, and his <laughs> little brother Jeff Raymondo, and then uh, Adam McWilliams, who's playing drums. That was who. And we're from Jacksonville. Yeah, that was a whole. Jack's Beach, anyway. Jack's Beach. Yeah. Wait, that's oh, very is, it, is it different? Oh, yeah. That's we a, got a mayor. Such a and a weird thing. Oh, my goodness. I don't live over there anymore, but now I'm a townie, but I lived over there for. Such a weird years. dynamic mm. here. It's not, it's not a dynamic, it's just it, badder. It's just bad. <laughs> when, you, when you're it's, over there and living there, it's better, but then when you're not living there, you're like, eh, fuck it's just you. A, it's just a weird dynamic, like once you cross the ditch, yeah. which is the intercoastal, basically. You got to you cross you're, two, you're, you two ditches to get over here. And then you live at the beach. And then, like you, you just you stay at the beach, or you live in town and you're a townie, and you go to the beach, but you're not really accepted by no, the beach people. I, I remember weird. talking to somebody. Go home, um, one of the first times <laughs> I came up to Jacksonville, because I came up here a couple of times. My brother worked um, at Jacksonville Airport as an airframe mechanic, and I'd come up here and visit him sometimes. Um, and he, like, we talked to somebody, and I was like, and they're like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, St. Pete. And they're like, well, where is that? And I was like, Tampa. And I was like, so you live in Jacksonville? And they're like. <laughs> I live in Jack's Beach. Yeah, exactly and I was yeah. like, oh, I can't. You don't know where St. Pete is. But right. I'm supposed to know that Jacksonville is Jacksonville and Jack's Beach. Okay, cool. Right, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the Star Belly Sneeches from Dodgers. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So 100%. Much, so much better. <laughs> oh, I, I do the recession. same thing with people in Tampa. They're like, they're like, oh, so you're from oh. Tampa? And I'm like, uh-huh. No, I live in St. Yeah, yeah, Tampa. Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll it's two different counties, right? I grew up there. You grew up in Tampa? I grew up in Tampa. I was born and raised. I grew up in Tampa and lived there until 
I moved to Orlando. I love how you had like a 12 mile bridge to separate you two. Oh yeah, so great. <laughs> That's well, it's, hilarious. Y'all see on that side of the bay. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, uh, but but St. Pete's Pinellas County, then Tampa is Hillsborough. Hillsborough County, yeah. yeah. Way worse cops. Yeah. <laughs> Way worse cops in Hillsborough County. Yeah, Tampa's got quite a reputation just around Florida. I remember like growing up down south, it was, like you'd even hear, it's like, yeah, Tampa's like, it's a, like, you don't fuck with Tampa pretty oh, much. Oh, no, no, no. Know? There used to be this, um, it was like three miles stretch of road. Um, and we used to call it the gauntlet because there was one night in that three mile stretch of road we saw 17 cops oh, and that was like and that was like on a constant you would always see like 10 plus cops in this like little three mile stretch of road and we used to call it the gauntlet and it was right by where all the bars were that all the um, college kids went to for USF yeah and it was like you were like Mm-mm, you don't drive you don't drive there during after 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> you know you I've had some pretty fun experiences at USF though some of those frat houses and stuff really? not oh, like yeah. not like I was like I didn't go to college. I had friends that were in co- that went to school, but uh, um, and I w- they were by no means frat people. But you know, you, ha- you have like these auxiliary people that you know. Was it on Greek Row and everything? No, no, or this was, was an off off campus. This was like an off campus thing, and it was like I don't know, I, mean, I don't even think you call it a frat house. It was just basically like ten dudes that rented <laughs> that rented this huge mansion <laughs> on the river, and one one oh my God. one that? I don't know, but one we were just walking around. It? <laughs> Yeah, but who's going to rent it out at 10? Whatever, never mind. But this dude, this <laughs> dude. So there was like, I remember specifically, it was like, there was like this, like 20 stairs that led down to the actual dock from like the top of where mm. the house was. So, so homeboy like grabs the rope from the tree yeah. and then swings from the top of the stairs, swings all the way out over the, like o- over Kevin the river and comes side. back and then hits the, the, the dock like face first, oh, no. falls <laughs> into the river and we're all just like, you're oh, a no. fucking idiot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a frat house. Did you go to uh, the crow, oh, I guess the crowbar is still there in Ybor City. Have I been there? Oh, a million times. Yeah. Right. Uh, do, are you, do you know who shoe liquor is? What? Oh, the guy who looks for shoes. Man, I got a great story about that. We, I don't have to say it, but it's uh, uh, we had a show down in Ebor City at the Crowbar. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it was Lucky Costello and I think Greenhouse Lounge too. Yeah, so it was uh, together. I- anyways, I come outside and I'm packing up all the gear, and this uh, kid comes up to me. He's a weird kid. He's like wearing a robe and he's real skinny. Sounds and, about on par for Ebor. That doesn't shock he, me. He just comes out in an alleyway and he's like, "Hey, man, I think there's something on the bottom of your shoe." And I'm just like, what? Really? It's like, yeah, yeah, lift your shoe up. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I go to look at it like this, and he just gets on his knees and, tr- and tries to lick my shoe. And I freak out. I'm like, what oh are you my doing? God. And then he just he just, he just just scutters away like a cockroach or something like that. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Oh, so I man. go back to the bar at the crowbar, and I talk to the bouncer. I'm like, you're never going to believe this. This guy was out here asking to see the bottom of my shoe, and he just licked the bottom of my shoe. And he goes, "Oh, sh- didn't even, oh, shoe licker didn't even phase yeah, him." Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's a <laughs> yeah. Well, we know shoe licker, and just yeah, it was just like that's just, just like a didn't even thing. phase him. It's like oh yeah, it's just Ebor. Anyways, this. Tampa's great. Yeah, is <laughs> what I was trying to get. At. Go there for the Gasparilla night parade once all this COVID I, I do, stuff's done. I do, I've always, I've wanted, always to go wanted to go, to go there. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've watched a girl. <laughs> I've watched a girl hook for beads. Word, woof. That's oh yeah, I'm trying to explain wow. Tampa to people. They're like, Tampa's great. I'm like, no, it's oh, not. Oh no, it's it's, it's gross. It's it's rough. It's a it's a it's especially Ebor City. That's we used like to always say that um, Tampa was a shady or uh, a sunny place for shady people. That's mm. what they used to say about Miami, also. Oh god, Miami, shady people. Mm. I lived down in Lauderdale, and like I I hated whenever we had to go to down to Miami because just that stretch of road on 95 going down from Fort Lauderdale to Miami, it's a 30 minute drive. 
And that is like the worst part of 95. Oh, yeah. Ever. It's supposed to be a 30 minute drive, but in actuality, it could take you two hours because the traffic is so insane. Oh, yeah. And people just drive like complete uh, maniacs. Like there's no. Oh, there was one time um, this dude just started to merge his car over top of our car and like right where the express lane is. And we hit a couple of them cones. The next thing we know, we get a bill in the mail for like three or four hundred bucks because every single one of those cone things that you hit is like a hundred something dollar fine and everything and they have cameras all up and down oh yeah oh yeah it's express lane too yeah yeah. it's so ridiculous i always want to hit the the little bars that are going down that block out the carpool lane yeah drive right through oh yeah they're 125 dollars every time you hit one that's wild that's worth it that's <laughs> like you hit a, you hit a cone at hundred dollars not so much but like break through like a gate like that yeah yeah I, I would do that <laughs> if I wasn't driving my car I'd do that yeah that way you don't get the ticket <laughs> if it was a rental car <laughs> yeah for I'd sure be about it yeah <laughs> as long as you got that rental car insurance bro Good driving like you stole it yeah I did I, I I rented a Camaro convertible went down there and backed into a fire hydrant and then was like I don't know what happened it came out of nowhere but. <laughs> But I got, but I got that insurance, so I didn't pay a dime for it. Mm, it's all about that insurance. Whenever you rent a rental car, they're like, "Do you want the insurance?" And you're like, mm-hmm. "I just outed myself." So, what's the statute of limitations for rental cars? Yeah. <laughs> it's one year. I have no idea. I'm gonna say one year. One year. I'm, 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 I'm real sorry. Enterprise, do not look up. Yeah, sorry, this I'm man's real name. Sorry, Enterprise. I was trying to think of a car rental place. I can't think of it. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of Enterprise employees listening to this podcast. Yeah, right. Good. <laughs> you never know, man. They, they could be out here. Um, <laughs> hey, everyone. Just want to take a second to talk to you about one of our favorite music venues, Blue Jay Listening Room. Blue Jay is a space for true music lovers where every ticket is a backstage pass. Silence your cell phones, enjoy a nice glass of wine or craft beer, and be part of an intimate experience unlike anywhere else in Jacksonville. Hear national and local artists sing their original songs and share the stories behind them in a space carefully curated for the premier show-going experience. I personally have seen some of my favorite shows here, as well as having played with some of my heroes. Not only is Blue Jay a wonderfully unique experience, it has become a staple in the Florida music scene. Mention bottom of the bill on your next visit and receive 10% off your tab. Blue Jay is located at 2457 3rd Street South, Jacksonville Beach, and be sure to check out www.bluejayjacks.com for news, ticketing, and events. Okay, so I do want to uh, kind of ask you how you got started in the whole festival scene. What what was the insp- what was the uh, I guess the catalyst? The catalyst. For, of yeah. It. Um, well, I met Russ Bowers at Aura. Uh, 2011, the year the car fire happened. Oh, yeah. I, um, I wasn't there for that, but I was like all over the news oh, yeah. and everything. Oh, yeah. So that was when I met Russ. Um, Russ had, um, uh, was running the Rage Tent, and I was wandering around with Kenny and Kimmy Saddleman, and, you know, the Rage Tent wasn't raging, so Kenny was like, I know where his you know, little trailer is. And I had a, a Nerf gun on me. And I had all these Nerf darts on, and, and on each Nerf dart, it said Love Bullet. Nice. And they, like, opened up the trailer door, and I just started lighting them up with, like, <laughs> Nerf darts and stuff, and, like, screaming Love Bullets. <laughs> and um, then Russ and I ended up walking around for, like, two, three hours, just, like, bouncing from campsite to campsite, like, meeting a bunch of people. And every time that they were cool people and we liked them and they were partying with us. We gave them an OB, a free ticket to OBJ. Nice. And it was just kind of like a way to promote it. It was like the second year of OBJ. Um, and then I went to the festival. 
Um, and then that's when I met Andy Lytle and Toby Bowers. And then it was just like, we, you know, I became part of the fold and, you know, it was, you know, then it was like the four of us and we just made a really good, really good team together. Um, and, you know, Andy was Russ's right hand man and I was Toby's right hand man and it just like was cohesive and it just worked. And then after that, anytime, um, like some of these, you know, other promoters are like, hey, I need, you know, assistant stage manager. I need somebody to do this. I need somebody to do that. And Russ would be like, oh, yeah, here's Megan's contact, you know, like, nice. you know, and, and then that's kind of like how it developed. And then probably about like three years ago was when I first started um, trying to do it like full time. Yeah. You know, because it's it's it, hard. It is. And it's really hard to, you know, kind of like break into it and also like be able to self-sustain, you know, with just doing just music festivals right. or just doing like events and stuff and I started working last year for a company called CID Entertainment um, which um, Andy Reese was the one who actually um, Andy Reese and Brett Perez were the ones who got me in okay. contact with these guys and they do everybody from the Wiggles to the to like the to like fish wow they do everyone, everyone um, and I've worked with uh, George Lopez because of them I've worked oh, with nice. uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Josh Groban, which was the last little tour that I was actually on. Lindsey yeah. Sterling, a um, bunch of different, like, you know, different artists. Uh, Bob Weir and the Wolf Brothers. Nice. You know, and it was, it's, like, really awesome. Um, and they just, I mean, they did everyone. And it was, you know, there are people that uh, book um, the tour managers, the people who do the VIP management, the, you know, sound crew, the hospitality, everything. They, they're a full-on manage like entertainment management company that's awesome um and that's like was what i was doing prior to you know when COVID happened we all had to quarantine and it's kind of funny the last backstage pass my last working pass is like on the dashboard of my uh of my car yeah. <laughs> just so like i can always like see it and like remember like oh there was a simpler time oh, yeah. <laughs> you know like back I, in the day i uh <laughs> i constantly go back and look at our summer uh, touring schedule for 2020 and just cry. So, oh my uh, gosh, you know. <laughs> it was. And I haven't seen a lick of the unemployment money. Uh, yeah, well, that's actually. <laughs> I, I wish. I don't wish. I'm happy that I'm not one of those cases that didn't get unemployment. But that's the only reason why I was able to survive anything is I got like I, I got no unemployment for several months. There was nothing, and yeah. all of a sudden I wake up and there's a huge. The website. It was hilarious. Well, uh, that, I'm not the only who, one. You fucking so asshole. With, with people who are gig workers, um, one, they anyways. they had me submit all of my. <laughs> um, they had me submit all of my signed contracts that I had already like been booked and everything, uh, and they're oh, like. No. They're like if you could prove all this, oh. um, you know, we'll, we'll pay you whatever, you know, a percentage of like what, what you would have been owed for these gigs. That's great. Um, and my application status still says uh, completed pending. Yeah. And it's, they won't give me any information. Oh and they're God. like, I mean, it's just been like sitting there in limbo since. I want to say like April or something like it's that. So and, and I'm like, what do you guys want me to do? Like, I, I gave you all the information, you know, but yeah, it's just. It's been, yeah, it's been, it's been hard. Maybe you'll, sure. maybe you'll get it like eventually and it'll just be like a nice little. Just present. randomly, I'm going to have like money in my bank account. Yeah. From that. that would be like nice. That's what <laughs> happened to me. I was like, uh, I woke up one day and I was yes, like, yeah. what the fuck? This is the most money I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my then God. it was like $200. A whole $200. And then, and then I used like half of that money to go back into the studio with side hustle and yeah. try to finishing up the album which has just been taking so long because we have no income coming in really from gigs or anything so and that's like one of the hardest things like that's like i feel like has hit a lot of bands and stuff like they're really not like a lot of bands have been able to like write a lot of new material that's but um doing. 
but they haven't been able to get the new material out um because you don't want to just like release it like on like you know online or anything like that because yeah, you gotta have a plan with it to market it yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so it's like it you know it's very hard for them to get into the studio because you know s- studios you know one don't really have a lot of studio time um because everybody else is trying to get into the studio at this point they're like you know might as well just you know book every book everything out because i have a lot of friends who are um recording engineers and they've been flooded with work no because kidding, of that. Really? yeah Oh yeah, just because everybody just wants to record new music, everybody wants to you know mm. try to get something out. Because Where do they get money from to do it though? That's the thing. I guess if you work like a day job or you have like other yeah, prob- I mean, a lot of bands. I mean, there's there are bands that do you know what you know do music full times, and there's also bands that you know <laughs> music's their side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's, that's me right now. That's. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally why the name it's exists. It's kind of become that way, though, because I know um, I do know a lot of bands also that have just taken like you know side gigs, like just doing like kind of grunt work and everything, yeah. you know, just doing like contractor jobs and this, that, and the other, and just little, you know, things that they can pick up here and there just to be able to survive and everything. Because not all of them have, you know, they don't have college degrees or you know, like right, you know, like what do they know? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. That's been like the biggest issue. Just trying to find a way to get income without, yeah, you know, yeah, without having to sacrifice everything that you want to do. That's like, yeah, it's been difficult for sure. But oh, yeah. I'm very lucky that at least the solo gig has been coming back because that's like my bread and butter. Side hustle doesn't even really play bar gigs anymore. We we bill it as the Hangout Express under yeah. oh like for cover God. bands. That way, side hustle doesn't oversaturate. Yeah. market and like we're also not really we're, we don't play any original music at, at, at bar gigs either it's all right covers, it's all like so. covers and everything and you definitely want to build it as something you know different yeah you know because it's kind of gives like a different impression of your band if you know people are going out and being like oh side hustle's playing and then you guys play nothing but covers and they're like well, I guess Side Hustle was just playing, you know? Yeah. Like. Well, it's also hard to sell tickets to shows when you're like, you know, if we're doing like a direct support or even a headlining show at mm-hmm. 1904 Jackrabbits, people aren't going to come and see you if they can just see you for free three nights out of uh, the week. Right. You know? Exactly. And they're going to get probably the same show with a lot of the bands that are doing that dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I could pay 15 bucks to see you tonight. Or I can pay, or I can go for free to see you play for three hours, and it's probably going to be a similar experience. Right, you know? exactly, and it just it, it definitely takes away from the um, nostalgia of seeing a band, you know, yeah. and like that kind of like ambiance, that feeling, you know. Yeah, it definitely takes away from that. Yeah, well, you got and you got to have those numbers under your belt too. We we got passed over on several shows when we were still billing side hustle as a bar band. Uh, from the Fritz and from the main squeeze just because mm-hmm. they were like, okay, well, what were your last, uh, what were your last performances in the market and what were your numbers? And it was like, uh, well, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. Right. And we also play bar gigs. It's like, sorry, man, we're going to have to pass. And it's just like, they don't like the bigger bands don't want to work with bar, with bar bands because they need to sell tickets in that market. Right. You know? Exactly. They need somebody who's going to draw in a crowd that they're not already going to exactly. draw in. That's the other thing with, um, uh, building lineups for festivals and stuff like you can't pull all your bands from one particular city especially with OBJ um, that's something that we've always tried to um, keep that dynamic that diversity of it because it's like you get like you know five bands from St. Pete and a lot of times those five bands are gonna be pulling in the same exact crowd you know because they're so you know they're so saturated in the market so you pull in you know you know, from Jacksonville and Gainesville and Orlando and, you know, Fort Lauderdale and you try to like 
get as many bands as you can that are as diverse as you can from that area, you know, because like, you know, bluegrass band is not going to have the same fans as a funk band. Right. You know, so, you know, you try to like keep that, you know, diversity in that aspect just so that you can, you know, think about like ticket sales and, you know, having more people be exposed to, you know, the music in that area. Totally. And, yeah. So when you were uh, first getting started in, in the festival scene, how did your role kind of develop over time? Like, what, what were some of the, the jobs you were doing at the beginning versus what you started doing later on in your career? Um, when I very first started, a lot of it um, was managing the front gate, especially at OBJ, because um, that's what Toby had done. Um, and then um, that you know, developed into uh, volunteer coordination. That developed into... Um, artist hospitality and artist relations, like at, like Halloween, I did artist uh, hospitality and artist relations for the campground stage um, for about three years. Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> you really you really held me out that 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 day. I was I was trying to get in and out, and you like opened the gates and all. Everything. It was nice. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah. no, like I mean that's that's what you do, you know. Um, but yeah, like it um, it's just kind of developed into a sense of, you know, it, the more you learn um, about the music festival industry and everything and how it runs, how it goes, um, what you need and everything. Um, I mean, I started out just being, you know, a volunteer basically, um, to now I, you know, basically run every aspect of, of a music festival, you know, coordinating, um, with the stage manager of, you know, set times, coordinating with the front gate, doing, you know, paying bands, doing, you know, money drops, like everything, you know? So it's, kind of, you know, developed into every different role that I could possibly take on and learn as much as I could about that particular role, getting sponsors, booking bands, negotiating contracts, coordinating vendors, um, down to negotiating the property contracts, you know, with, uh, you know, actual properties and everything, you know, it's just little things that you pick up throughout the, in, you know, the entirety of it. And now, I mean, it's developed into, I, you know, can, you know, basically run an event you know every aspect of it as long as tom's throwing me around on that four-wheeler <laughs> that was a lot of fun as long as tom's throwing me around on that four-wheeler man i can get anything done really one of the highlights of monster mash is watching tom ride around that fucking thing oh my gosh dude i i uh that like was shit i'll tell you that much <laughs> that was one of the funniest things in the entire world man because me and him ripped around that but that festival, I, honestly, I don't think we could have, you know, really done what we did at Monster Match just because it was so spaced out without that. Because the only other thing that we had there was an electric golf cart and going through that mud yeah. and everything. Oh, my gosh. That electric golf cart died 50 million times. And, like, me and Tom were like, mm, you know, like, you know, going just hauling ass, like, being able to get from point A to point B as quickly as humanly possible. Makes and that's, it, like, makes, makes it so much easier. Yeah, uh, Yeah, for sure. Um, so were there things like that you learned early on for, I mean, did, were you going to festivals as like a supporter, uh, before? Yeah, me, uh, me too, Bill. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Thanks for the beer, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so th were, was there anything that you learned early on as somebody that was going to festivals beforehand, uh, versus um, going into that role? <laughs> so when I, when I first started going to festivals, it was just like, you know, kind of all about the party and, you know, just having a good time, just like anybody else who goes to festivals. Yeah. Um, but as I started to, um, you know, be, be more like 
be more in uh, be put in more responsible roles where um you know it, if you're not on your game you know something's gonna slip under the you know slip under the radar and you know it could com you know completely ruin the whole entire event totally um so it, i definitely um learned to you know like so many people and i and i i i love and appreciate everything that everybody's ever given me at festivals but um people offer you a lot of things they want you to do a lot of things and stuff and it's like yeah. you know they want you to take they want you to take shots they want you to you know smoke this and do this and here's this and here's that and you're just like i can't do this like i i have to like i have to work like yeah. and, you know it's like thank you but you know like i you know and that that responsibility that's one of been that's probably been one of the biggest things for for me personally to kind of see like where i started at from being a patron at music festivals to being somebody who actually works those music festivals and everything because you you really do you have to be on point and you know you love watching everybody having a great time because it makes you feel that you know you did your job well right. because that's kind of the you know uh What's the word I'm looking like for? Gratification. No, um, that's like the, the the standard of if you threw a good music festival or not, you know, or people having a really good time. Yeah. Like, all right, awesome. Like, that's your that's your gauge. That's the word I'm looking for. Like, if people are having a good time, that's how you gauge, you know, if it was a successful festival or not. Right. And, um, you know, but you can't. You can't indulge, you know, and that's just kind of something that, you know, you take the, you know, turn coin of it. But... It is. It is a gratifying, like, it is a gratifying, you know, feeling to see people like having fun and like knowing that you put in all this hard work and you know getting to see like the fruits of your labor. Yeah, totally. And, and everything. Um, the other thing that I've learned is um, you always go to bed before the sun rises. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because if anybody ever asks you what time you went to bed, you go, oh, well, it was definitely before the sun came up. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's definitely dark That's, outside, yeah. So that way you're not lying to anybody. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I still uh, will make that mistake at least after we play. Mm -hmm. Before we play, I'm pretty like I'm if if I'm camping that weekend, I'm I'm you know sleeping early. I'm doing the whole thing, but uh, after after the fest, after we play and we get paid, all bets are off. Um, the other thing. Uh, Pedialyte saves lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, really a shot of Pedialyte before you go to bed, man. It's the most disgusting thing in the entire world. It tastes so bad. I don't know why the hell we give it to babies. That's probably why they cry so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a shot of Pedialyte before you go to bed will save you from a hangover. And either those Boost Ensure or the Slim Fast uh, instant little breakfast or instant sh meal shakes. Man, this will save you in the morning because you don't want to like if you're hungover, like you're not going to want to eat anything um, first thing when you wake up. And those things have like usually like 20 grams of protein, every single vitamin and, you know, mineral that you should be taking and stuff. Man, those things have saved my ass so many times at music festivals. That's really? like my like number one go to. Um, whenever like I, I buy like and people are like, why are you buying this? And I'm like, listen. Come morning time, you're going to find me because you're not going to want to eat anything and you're going to drink one of these and then you're going to feel right as rain. Yeah, that's a that's a good, good tip because I, I always find it. Uh, that's my biggest downfall is like the food situation or like the, just to stay staying nourished. And especially you know? like, I mean, if you haven't eaten anything all day and like you've already been drinking and 
partying and stuff. Like you're not going to want to eat like a full meal. Right. You know, and like even, I mean, I love all of our food vendors. You guys have great food. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's not necessarily like what you want to, you know, it might not be what you want to put in your stomach and stuff. So those things, I mean, you can drink one of those and like, I mean, it's basically like drink, you know, basically eating a meal. Yeah. And you're going to have the same effect as if you would have ate something but without the grease and you know right i right. passed pedialyte i'm like such an old cat now that i'll go to a festival to play the festival i'm like yeah i got airbnb or a hotel <laughs> i'm not fucking staying here uh, so yeah, I, I know no, what I, it's like and i sure as hell i'm not uh getting to a, a festival when i have a show like the next day yeah i'm definitely not staying at that festival the the day before i'm like yes. i'll go hang out and see all the bands and everything like that but i'm like gotta be sober enough to drive home back to my hotel this is the next day well, I think the last time I did that at, at OBJ and had a uh, nice little Airbnb in Bradenton. Yeah. I will definitely tell you that the the minute I did a, fa- a festival with an RV, never. There's can't n- go back. Oh, my God. I'm an indoor cat it's a, for sure. Yo, it is such a game changer. Yeah. It is like the it's the number one game changer in the entire world. Because, one, you don't have to go stumbling around to try to find either a porta potty or a bathroom when you wake up in the middle of the night and have to pee. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, two, like, you know, you can, like, the, the capability of, like, a shower. And just, like, at, like, as somebody who works the festivals and everything, you know, you see everyone and sometimes it becomes like a little overwhelming and stuff and you just like want to go and just you know be alone for a minute and just being able to like just go sit by yourself and you know sit in the ac and like collect your thoughts and you're like okay like everything's good everything's right in the world and then like you go back out it's definitely helps with like your stress levels because especially if you're working a, a summer festival, that heat mixed with like the stress of just oh, doing the great. event and then, and then alcohol. <laughs> like, I mean, I've <laughs> Russ and I have gotten into like so many fights at OBJ just because like, we're both like trying to say the same thing to each other, like in completely different ways right. and stuff. And it's just like, you're just so stressed. It's like, you know, you're going to lash out at that person and stuff. And that's what's great about an RV too, is you can have an argument in there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if you have you know? an argument in a tent, it's very hard to slam the flap. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I yeah. wrote that joke. That's my tip. Honestly, like I, I miss funny. old school yeah. telephones just because I, I really miss the whole like just pleasure of just slamming the phone on or somebody. even flip phones. You know, you can just like, oh, you fucking flip, flip that yeah. shit. You know, oh, I and then you can throw them afterwards because they were really durable. So you just like yeah, throw them across true. the room. I, I, I threw my uh, flip phone. Flip phone. Yeah. Flip phone. Give me a break. I threw my flip phone like. <laughs> can't say. Don't hurt yourself, bud. Cross like a, a bridge or whatever like that. It was just yeah. fine. Oh, man. I remember I threw one of those old school Nokias. Remember the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the blue block Nokias? Oh, yeah. I threw one of them things against a wall and like it bounced back at me. I swear yeah. to God, did not break. It bounced back at me. It was like, oh, you going to throw me against the wall, bitch? Yeah. It's like, what are we paying so much money for smartphones for? They're not durable at all. Oh, they suck. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that's like that's like a marketing tool probably oh, because yeah. them things are stupid stupid expensive yeah like you could have brought the old like nokia i think we i think when i first got the old nokia block phone i think i paid like 35 dollars or yeah. something like something like that for it it was like cheap as shit you yeah know? for like, sure for sure and if now I, all of a sudden like the new iphone's like what 1200 dollars or I saw, something i got like an that. email the other day saying hey if you uh buy two iphones uh we'll give you the second one 1200 off i'm like 1200 dollars off, off. Like, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah they're insane. they're expensive as hell, man. Like, and they don't last. They don't. Like, my my guy's been ticking for a couple years, no, three years now, I think. 
Oh, I'm so rough with mine. I mean, actually, at, at Monster Mash at one point, I I punted my phone. Oh my <laughs> god! Maybe don't. I did. I did. I was like, I was like, I just want 15 minutes to myself. I was like, I don't want to answer any phone calls or nothing like that. And I was in the middle of talking to um, Jessica Jones, and somebody came up to me and just asked me like some stupid question, you know, like that just like really didn't matter that much. And like, I looked over at Tom and I was like, oh, I'm done with this and just punted my phone. And we watched it go up in the air and we watched it slam down on the ground. And Tom just goes, really, Megan? And I was like, yeah, I need that, don't I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's probably <laughs> not screen rated was for... shattered and everything. Like, oh, oh man, it was, you, you, the, you could still use the LED screen, but the actual like screen screen itself was like shattered. shattered. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it was like, it was funny as can be. And I was like, I knew I had to go buy a new phone anyways. You know, I'd already like, that thing I'd had for like, I think I had that phone for like two or three years at that point. And I was like, I know I'm going to buy a new phone anyways. Yeah, but, so that's about the, the But it was the really gratifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It definitely feels good to break shit sometimes. Oh my gosh. I want to go to one of those rage rooms. Like, oh, have y'all yeah. ever seen those? Oh, oh my yeah. God. Like, not, really bad. It looks so stupid. You know what I like to do when I get uh, real drunk? I like to break records. Oh, yeah. We did that one night. Because it's hilarious to say, like, yeah, we were breaking records last night. Oh, my God. What a great pun, right? But, like, you go, but, like, yeah, definitely, like definitely these aren't, like, these records. Like, well, no. Like, I'll go, I'll go. Could probably uh, break the MGMT like thrift- one. No, yeah. I'll, I'll, Maybe the LCD sound system one also while we're at it. Dude, man. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, I'll go to, like, a thrift store or something like that. And I'll. You just buy, like, shit-ass records. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got I've got a couple in there where just like yeah we're breaking this one. Oh yeah we're just we're gonna smash this one. This smug bastard's been sitting in this crate while it's good music. Yeah we're breaking you. We're mate. breaking you. Billy and I did that one night. We got really like just really drunk when he was living out at the beach and we started like singing karaoke in his room oh, yeah. and then just, smashing uh, records oh, afterwards. Oh my goodness. Weird. I woke up. Sma- I like smashing records too. We're fucking breaking records. I, breaking records, smashing <laughs> records. I woke up. For the first time in a long time, not knowing where I was oh what, like the next goodness. morning. And I had to go play a gig right afterwards. That's a regular Sunday night for me. Oof, that was rock wild. Star, bro. That was too, I can't do that kind of shit. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's that rock star thing. Yeah, it's that. That's, that's, <laughs> rock star lifestyle. That's, yeah. why I don't, that's why I don't stick around at festivals because I know myself too well. <laughs> yeah. I just know what's going to happen if I stay there. Oh, I, everybody makes fun. It's like, why are you saying you're such a pussy? I'm like, not, yeah. not being a pussy. I'm just, I know what's going to happen if I stay here. Yeah. So. I'm gonna be um, hey, every now and again, you gotta, every now and again, you gotta show your ass, man. No, I mean, yeah, I know. Totally. It I makes d- you, it makes you more human. It's, <laughs> yeah, it just would be yeah. so. It, it, I would, I would rather do that at a festival that I'm not playing at, and that I was just enjoying it. Because yeah. I feel like I'm working. Yeah, there's an image you want to hold. The one bit. festival I remember back in the day. And I'm mouthy. Um, I run my mouth. The one festival we always agreed upon that we would never ever work, and we we had done it since uh, from 2011 till. When was the last? It was Bear Creek. About Bear Creek. It was Bear Creek. 2015, 14, 15. I think 15. 15 was the last Bear Creek. God, that was such a good um, oh God, I miss Bear Creek so much. But yeah, that was the one festival that we all agreed always that we would, none of us would ever work at. You know, that yeah. was like our one festival. Where we were like, your rager. we just got to go party. We got to go rage and just like have fun and, you know, kind of let loose. Because, you know, Bear Creek is you know, pretty much one of the last festivals of like the season and stuff because of how late it was in November. And then yeah. really the, like they didn't have, we don't, there weren't a lot of festivals between um, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then home team was the next one that started your, yeah. that's what started your season. But that month, uh, like right after Bear Creek, that would be the last festival that I like, you know, everybody would ever, you know, everybody would work and stuff. And then you'd have your new year's events and that's what started back up. And, 
Nope, that was like your one. You just you always took that one off, man. Like. So I'm curious: is are there things that you notice when when you go to festivals just to hang out? Uh, are there, are there things that you notice as somebody who's worked on the other end of them where you're like, oh, they aren't they aren't doing this right or, or oh, they absolutely. overlook this shit? Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of times, like e- like even when we go to like venues and stuff, and I blame Andy Lytle for this. Um, I used to be able to go to you know shitty venues with shitty sound systems and stuff, and now I go to like shitty venues and I'm just like sitting there the entire time and I'm like, oh my god, like they just need to EQ the highs down on that guy's yeah. vocals just like a little tiny bit and it would sound so much better. Yeah. You know, and there's little things like that and then it's also, you know, um, like when you can see the, the people backstage working and stuff, you know, and you see them talking and stuff and I was like, oh, I bet you any money they're like talking about this and that one's about to jump on a golf cart and they're like, how do you know that? And I was like, just watch, just watch. Yeah. And then like next <laughs> thing you know, that person jumps on a golf cart and I was like, yeah, they're gonna go pick up a band. I bet you any money. It's like, they have about five minutes left of the sound. Uh, yep, I can see the monitor man, the monitor engineer giving yeah. them the five minute call. Like that's cool. You know, so it it definitely like it's like um, people who used to work in restaurants. Yeah. You know, if you ever worked in a restaurant, you definitely notice, you know, little things that like servers do or bartenders do. You know, when they're like thinking that no one else is watching them and stuff right. that you particularly notice just because you worked in that industry. So like, yeah, for sure. Like there's a lot of things that you, you know, seeing that you notice that like, you know, most people would never, um, catch see on or to. like catch on to yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, do you have like any favorite roles that you've worked with in that world? Um, artist hospitality was probably one of my favorites. Um, just because of the fact that, um, when I did do artist hospitality, I was working more so um, with like the not I wouldn't say like necessarily like smaller bands, but the campground stage is like where all the smaller bands were um, at Hula. Yeah. And just giving them like the treatment that they like, you know, that they would have gotten had they been playing like the main stage. Yeah. Stuff, That's, what I felt. You know? That's exactly what I felt. That's why I was just so appreciative. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, that was, that that was um, badass. It was like, you were like, like you messaged like, where you camped at? Coming to get you. Yeah. And like you, uh, you, like you came up to Melody Trucks camp and we hopped in the golf cart with all of our gear and you got us there ready to go. Then you met Billy, got him there. It was yeah, just you, like you so efficient. Yeah. yeah. And that's the biggest thing is like, you know, and that's one of my favorite things about, you know, working in the music industry because I know I care about, you know, the music and the shows and everything like that as much as the bands do. And the bands, you know, do deserve to, you know, not necessarily like special treatment or anything like that, but no matter if you're at the bottom of the bill or you're the headliner and stuff, like every single person should be treated the exact same way. And, you know, I love the artists. Like you guys have all been my friends for a very long time. We've all known each other for, you know, you know, years and years and years now at this point, you know, and I would, I treat you guys the same way I would treat, you know, Bob Weir, you know, and that just like, it makes me feel like really happy because like you guys, like all you guys are like very appreciative of it because you guys care and you guys see like, you know, what I do and you know, that, you know, that that feeling is reciprocated. Yeah, well, you know? because we're trying to fight over it. Like, can we get a pizza? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of fucking. You know, in the middle of our no. set, Megan, can we yeah, get can a we pizza? Get a pizza? No, I, mean, I, mean, I meant that we're like used to like, like fighting for table scraps at the at, at the bottom of the bill. So when, when, when we get to somebody, it's just Sometimes, like, uh, oh, oh, they're going to they're going to they're going to take care of us. What? Like, they're going to do this. Dude, like, do you want a Gatorade? I'm like, are you about what was happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you about to fight? You fight? That's that's um. <laughs> that's always the case with the home team crew though. It's it's always yeah. very like no, they're so nice. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, and that's the whole thing is like I mean, everyone should be treated that way. Like everyone should because everyone deserves like that. Um, 
you know, uh, special treatment and everything. Like that's kind of like one thing that like I've always like done with um, working in music festivals and and you know getting to meet the people and getting to meet you know all the the musicians and the people who do production, people who do this, you know, every single aspect of the events. And I feel like that's kind of like what um, progressed my career. And everything, because really in the music festival or the music, you know, festival scene and stuff and like getting jobs in the music festival scene, it really is a lot about like who, you know, you know, because like there's people vying for those jobs like crazy um, and they want to work with people that they enjoy working with. If if the bands enjoy working with them, like if you're if you're a dick, like a band's not going to want to work with you, you know, so I'm going to treat you really nice and, you know, vice versa and. That's kind of like how it goes. Speaking yeah. of being uh, treated like a dick, uh, uh, or a dick treating me like a human, I don't know how I'm trying to word this, but <laughs> do you remember when we were playing, uh, I won't say the place, I mean, like, there was this festival that we were playing at, and um, they were like, okay, like it's your turn to go on stage, and they gave us all these like passes, and then they gave us um, uh, like these little lanyards with mm-hmm. our names on them for like, you're allowed backstage. And so we play our show. And we start packing up, and we're, oh, we're yeah. making this hilarious story. It like, and, and it's just only hilarious because you'll think it's funny because you work <laughs> in the music festival industry. But like, we we were like packing up, and while on our way out, this Karen, and I say that my mom's name is Karen, but she comes <laughs> up to so us. So I can say that she comes up to us, and she just cuts the lanyard <gasps> off. Yeah, and she goes, and I'm like, what are you talking? Shut up! I swear yeah. to God, right? Yeah, crazy. And then so she cuts it off, and we're just like, what? What is like? Yeah, you can't can't come back here anymore. I'm like, I still have all my gear. And I'm like, well. You're gonna have to oh my way around goodness. it. Yeah, we, I could never. Okay, I, the only person I ever I did just, that to. I'll tell. I'll tell you this right now. The only person I ever like did that to. I, <laughs> I demoted him to general admission. I didn't yeah. even like cut <laughs> off his path. Um, it was OBJ one year, and um, it was like the first time we had ever had enough people that we were camping people in that in front field and stuff. And um, Alex Sears. Um, <laughs> went to go through like the barbed wire fence and everything. And I had my my cousin like patrolling right there. And my cousin goes, I'm going to take you to Russ Bowers. And Alex is like, man, I've been looking for him (laughs) all day. (laughs) So he gets delivered to me at the front gate and stuff. And I was like, of course it's one of the spore boys. Like I, like there's this whole like joke at at OBJ that spore every year tries to out spore spore. Um, (laughs) That's really um, funny. But yeah, so, um, so I ended up like taking Alex's wristband off and he like had worked for, he was like, working for Dunedin Brewery at the time oh, really? and everything too wow. and I was like I was like you don't get any more free beer and I was like you're grounded yeah. <laughs> like you're in timeout and I was like find me later I'll let you know when you're allowed to have yeah. beer again but you're general admission now. that's that's my manager used to say at Sam Ash he's like keep fucking around I'm gonna promote you to customer oh. <laughs> I was like yeah have you ever tasted heaven in a glass do you pine for the hoppiest brews and palest ales do you like food if so then Wicked Barley is the oasis that your mouth has been wishing for, walking into the complete barren wasteland that is your life. Wicked Barley is located in Jacksonville, Florida, nestled on the banks of Goodpeace Creek. Wicked Barley aims to provide its guests with a wicked experience, offering over 18 house-brewed beers, ciders, and meats on tap. They also have an expansive gastropub-style food menu, including burgers, salads, sandwiches, and more. Whether you are a newcomer or a craft beer connoisseur, it's a little something for everyone at Wicked Barley. Visit them at 4100 Bay Meadows Drive and tell them Bottom of the Bill sent you. But it was, it was a, da- a da- downgrade. Downgrade, you know? yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, that's the most that I would ever do. And that was a joke, you know? And like, yeah, I of know course. for a fact that he's 
still going to go backstage and like be able to get beers and yeah. stuff. And it was like, you know what, sir? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Respect the rules. No, it's crazy though when festivals don't take the extra, uh, don't go the extra mile with the, with with the artist because it's it helps the it's artist put on a better mile, show. You know what I mean? It's just like. Yeah, just just be just just be like pleasant, anyways. Like well, it's just and, and also, I'll, I'll definitely say that there are a lot of artists that um, definitely want to work with with me again. You know, even if they're like, like I don't even care if we play the festival. Like, I just want to work with you. Like, yeah. you know, and I've noticed that a lot. And it's just because you know when you care that much, and when you know you you put that passion into it, like the the artists aren't like you know they respect it and they appreciate it as much as you know you respect and you appreciate what they you know do for your festival and what they do for your job and everything. Um, so it it does it builds relationships. It it definitely makes artists want to. Um, play festivals again because I mean I, I've met artists who are like oh man I played this one festival and this guy was such a dick and blah 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 and I would never play another one of their festivals again yeah and at that point like you're you know kind of screwed because artists are going to talk yeah like, artists talk to other artists and then it's like oh my god you're playing that festival like yeah. let me tell you my experience yeah. like yeah. you know what 100%. happened yeah. that's no. like not yeah, yeah that's like 100 percent what it is yeah it's, it's, like it's a just, lot of word of mouth yeah it's it's yeah artists can't keep their mouth shut we write songs well, yeah you guys are like you guys gossip worse than everyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, for sure for sure it's it's bad yeah uh but i mean it, but but then but then also that kind of gives you incentive to not to, uh, to do your job properly exactly. as well, you know, you know, and, and that's the biggest thing. And, and they see that and they see that, you know, whether or not like you're trying to run a professional festival or you're trying to actually like care about like what it is, because, you know, if an artist feels uncomfortable at your festival, their shows, their, their show is going to reflect that. Yeah, so you want exactly. them to be in the best mood that they could possibly be just for the sole fact that, you know, it's going to make their show better. Yeah. Like if they're treated like Kings and they had no idea that that was going to happen to them, like they're going to be like in the most hype mood ever. And for like, sure. yeah. like, Oh yeah, we're going to tear this place down. You know, it's definitely like, and you can see that like, yeah, big time. So big that's time. why they're so nice. Because they want us to play better. Well, well then the fan, it gives the fans <laughs> <laughs> gives the fans the experience they want to, and then they end up being happier. Exactly. You know, so it's just it's a it's a full symbiotic a resol- thing. yeah revol- revolving door kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, have there been any experiences with artists where you're like, "Fuck that person! I never want to deal with them again." <laughs> of course, there are. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. Um, not gonna name any names. Sure. I just band. I just feel like the writer alone, at like a like a band that's kind of addictive venue owners at a festival has got to be a mile longer. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, like um, we really don't get like a lot of like writer. I mean, no. like, because like a lot of that goes through like your head AR person and okay. everything, and they get like approved things, and then that gets passed down to you and what we call the Bible, and it's like every single band and. Oh yeah, we we get handed like these thing these binders and they're called our Bibles and it has every single band. It has their catering, dietary restrictions. It has their stage plot. It has when they're arriving, with how many cars. Wow. You know, yeah. So it's like all laid out. Um, but there was particularly one band that I worked with uh, back or a 2013. And I was the stage manager and we're waiting for the um, hospitality person to get there. And they were this little known band. They like had won some internet contest or battle of the bands thing and stuff. Okay, so and they were, like okay, yeah. <laughs> they were like younger kids. They were like younger kids too. And they just come up to me and like, like I'm sitting there 
like backstage and stuff just like waiting you know for everybody to do their load in they come up to me and they're like i'm um, excuse me we have an interview here soon why isn't there coffee made for us oh my nice. god and i was like that's, um, the, way, that's the way you get coffee made it's the- <laughs> <laughs> and i go i go well i'm your stage manager and they're like so and I was like, okay, no, no, please, please, please. Why don't you guys go have a seat? I was like, let me go make your coffee for you. Like, please. Oh, my God. And it's like almost like you want to go to like the, the sound guy and be like, fuck up their set. Yeah, you know, like, right, you know, right. Like, just slightly like be like, hey, you know, like. That's also why as an artist, you don't, you're like, you can't be a dick either. You can't be a dick to the yeah. people that like are the ones that are like, you know, running the festival and stuff because it's just like restaurant workers. You yeah, know? exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, you don't. We, we like you way better. We like each other way better than we like your band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. <laughs> Um, so are there any expectations that, that you might have going into like a bigger festival versus a smaller festival? Um, no, not really. Uh, a small festival should be treated the same way as a big festival. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it's just like the same thing as like, you know, any job that you do, like you can't half ass a job, like it, it, whether or not there's 40,000 people there, or there's, you know, 500 people there. Like you, you know, you want to give the best experience that you possibly can, like can to, you know, the people that are there to enjoy it. Um, Now, like, as into expectations of how much BS that you have to deal with, I definitely expect that I'm going to deal with way more um, problems and or issues going into the larger festivals um, than I do with the smaller festivals um, because it's, like, more isolated incidents if it does happen at the smaller festivals, which is very, like, few and far between. Um, But the bigger festivals, I mean, it's... You know, when it's when you're working like Hula and there's like 45,000 people there, you know, it's hard. It, it, it gets very hard to manage that yeah. many people, you know, at once. Um, whereas, you know, if you had 2,500 people, you know, it's really, you know, n- not as hard, but it definitely is a little bit more contained and yeah. you know, like people don't get as rowdy, I guess. Yeah. You know? like, oh, yeah. People definitely start to lose their their sense of of self-awareness when they're in a mass situation so yeah at 30,000 people you're dealing with a bunch of people that are relying on a bunch of other people to set the tone for them exactly. and then when you have like a smaller crowd it's like everybody's still capable even if they're fucked up like they're still capable of taking care of themselves and they're not relying on the rest of the festival to provide the situation for them right exactly you know? yeah I would definitely say like I would agree with that 100% for sure um but yeah like I, if it comes to like like when it comes to managing that amount of people, I mean, it, it takes, it does, it takes a, a village to try and make something like that um, run. Whereas comparatively to like a smaller festival, you might not need, you know, as much like, you know, security or, you know, um, regulators, right. you know, so to say. Um, so that definitely, that, that changes the whole expectation going into it. Cause you're just like, oh yeah, I know for a fact, I'm going to deal with some shit. Like yeah. whereas the smaller festivals, you're like, if I have to deal with some shit, you know, like you ever notice a level of disorganization on a smaller festival that might not happen at a bigger festival just because, uh, typically a bigger festival probably has a little bit more major leagues. Like you can do it right off the bat. I would say, I would say say newer festivals, newer festivals. I would say like newer festivals have a little bit of disorganization and it not just comes from experience. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, when it, when it comes to that kind of aspect, um, you, you do, when you go to the larger festivals, you're like, Oh, so why do they take a deposit for their volunteers? And, you know, Toby and I have learned from doing uh, the volunteer coordination at OBJ that um, you're going to get burned a lot 
you know, by these volunteers, either they're too messed up to come to their shift. Just or, dealing with hippies in general. Or they but. just don't show up <laughs> in general and stuff. And you're giving these people free tickets, basically, yeah. to yeah. your event. Um, and we never really understood why the larger festivals always took the deposits. And then we were like, oh, because we've lost a lot of money from giving out all these free tickets. And, you know, sometimes not even having enough people to fill volunteer spots and everything. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, you, you learn things as you grow as an event and as you, you know, you see little things and you, you learn little things and stuff here and there. Um, but I wouldn't say like smaller festivals are, are any more disorganized than the larger festivals because I've seen large festivals be insanely disorganized. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, um, but it, it, it all comes from experience, really and truthfully. Like, I mean... We as festival promoters, we talk, we, we talk about different things that we like about their festival and they like about our festival and you, you know, you, you grow off each other yeah. you know, eventually and you guys all, um, you know, take the good with the bad and, you know, you talk about all the, you know, the stuff that you've had to deal with and they talk about all the stuff that they've had to deal with and it's like, oh man, I remember the first time that I ever had to deal with that. This is what we did and you, right. know, you kind of adapt to that. Right, right. Was there any any situations you can think of in like very in the various roles that you've played at a festival of like damage control? So like what would damage control be like as a stage manager versus like like artist uh, meet and greets or something? You know, um, I've never really had to do too much damage control. I'm gonna be honest. Um, I mean, there's been some there's been some bands that are like, oh, you know, I you know, didn't like the way that this person acted or I didn't like the way that this sound guy was and stuff. And as the person who's like the artist hospitality and you're like, okay, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure everything's okay. You know, pat him on the head, you know, send him off and everything. Right. I mean, really and truthfully, that's what it is. And then you go talk to this person and this sound guy's like, oh, this guy was such a dick and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like, and yeah, like you're, you're basically the middleman between your production crew and the bands. Um, but I've never really had to do too, too much damage control. I will definitely say that um, with the fact that we are bringing back music festivals or trying to bring back music festivals with OBJ as well as with Fool's Engagement and Monster Mash, um, that um, we've caught a lot of flack. Um, yeah, because of COVID and all that. Well, because of the COVID thing and like a lot of the other countries, like, oh my God, look at Florida and they're, you know, having everything open and blah, blah, blah. And like, we're trying to do it responsibly. Even when we did the women's empowerment tour at the venues that we did them at, um, we kept it to limited capacity. Everybody was supposed to, you know, everybody's wearing their masks the entire time, you know, and we're, and we're trying to, you know, do it in the safest way possible. And we're trying to do it in, you know, according to CDC um, guidelines, but there's still people that um, definitely have been lashing out and definitely have been um, giving us a lot of flack in that regards. And um, the way we just deal with it is like, honestly, we, we haven't responded to any of it. Um, we, we know what we're doing. There's temperature checks, there's people wearing masks, social distancing, limited capacity events. <laughs> All the cleaning and stuff that goes. Yeah, you know all that. And stuff, yeah. Um, and you know, personally, the people who have seen what um, Get Lost Entertainment has done and what Tom and I have done with you know the festivals and everything that we've done, um, they're the ones that are actually the ones that are you know kind of like saying stuff and you know being like, have you gone to one of their events? Like, have you seen what they did? Like, are you just like basing this on you know a prejudice and? Um, 
we just we just keep out of it you know it's just you know i don't even want to you know we know what we do we know that we're doing it safely and you know that's there's nothing more that we can say and i mean it's like and doesn't really do any good to engage in any of the negative shit anyways and you validate it and it doesn't need to be validated you know, exactly it's just, you know it's, it's not good i mean there i guess there is no such thing as bad publicity but there kind of is when it's when it's some kind of like argument over whether or not you should be doing a festival when you're the festival you know what i mean right and and for us to engage into that and us to feed into that negativity it just it's it's not worth it um you know it it just it, it would it would look bad if we did yeah. you know because like now you're just like feeding into like this guy you know being a troll and stuff you know right. it's, it's just like any band like if a somebody online like gives a band shit and i've seen that before like somebody's like uh, you know giving them shit just about like their music and stuff you know and that like if the band were to engage that then you're like you're proving their point right oh my god i have people doing that to me right now actually on, well, like every day right yeah on uh <laughs> <laughs> more about uh social media and like how i'm posting my shows and shit like that i'm just like the only time you ever show up for anything is on my comments when you're telling me I need to be doing something different about my social media. And when we're talking about, first off, like let's, let's just be honest, like Facebook is not the medium anymore. So I'm going to, I'll post my, my weekly schedules on Facebook. Mm -hmm. and that's, and like, I'm playing at a bar. I'm not really expected if it's a bar doing their job correctly. I'm not really expected to bring the crowd. Exactly. And I, and I, and I'm not expecting a crowd to come. So it's well, like, our biggest thing is if you don't feel safe, going out you 100% have the option to not go yeah yeah exactly, exactly. you know if, if you don't feel safe going out to a bar and there's there's people still to this day and age who don't even want to go to the grocery store to buy their groceries and that is that's your prerogative you know you don't have to go right you know you you 100% you don't need to buy a ticket you don't you don't need to support us that's perfectly fine but we also don't need your negativity if there's people that do particularly want to go or do want to you know it, it, get back to that experience get back to normal yeah you know well, it's and 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 i think that there's a lot of people out there that need those experiences for their own mental well-being as well 100 oh, they need the social interaction like the festival scene uh, part of the reason why i, I love i love the jam scene so much is because these people really not only appreciate the music but they they build this culture around mm -hmm. the music and then that culture becomes a lifestyle for them and they work jobs that they don't necessarily want to work just so they can save up just to attend these festivals and then you take that away from them and these and a lot of people need these these situations so you telling people well, i i don't agree with this happening so i'm going to blast them on social media or try and take them down with all the negativity it's like you're affecting so many more people than just right. your and own people bullshit don't understand, opinion. like this is what people do for their livelihood yeah, like they don't exactly. understand that like like these people who are like career musicians rely on music festivals and venues to book them and you know like even uh, Jessica Jones like i mean she she came down here from Colorado because she couldn't get gigs over there. And she's, you know, she's come down to Florida. She's been booking gigs down here and working down here because she has been doing this professionally for, you know, most of her adult life. And well, what do you tell somebody who's been a career musician their entire life? Like right. that they are not allowed to do what they're allowed to do anymore. And they're a horrible person for the fact that they want to still work what they knew and what they you know spent their life like honing this skill and you know 
endless hours. Like I'm, I've watched you musicians. Like Jesus Christ, man. Like you all play. Like y'all just spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Like just practicing the same song, the same lick over and over and over again until it's perfect. You know, and especially like writing songs too. I mean, it's it's in it, it's so much dedication. It's so much work, and people just you know think that you know it's nothing or you know well they, we enjoy it that's what it is it's like people are like well you get to do what you love so it's well, like who cares so it can't really be work it's like oh it's work i like it's painstaking yeah work, you know like like i love music festivals and i just I, I mean i i had a college degree in radiology technology and everything and then the first music festival that i went to i was like i want to make this my life like i want how do i make this my living like how do i do this for the rest of my life and and i did and i I dedicated myself to trying to do that and stuff. And I love them. And they, they like, I, I love, it's like that love-hate relationship with it. But I love it, but it causes me, like, the most stress. Yeah. You well, know, but it's like that, it's that good stress. It's that stress that you enjoy. Yeah. yeah. It's a passion, you know. It's And the yeah. passion is a spectrum of love and hate. It's never like you love it all the time or you hate it all the time. Yeah. So music for, for us is like a passion. And it's like there's times where it is the sole reason of all the stress in my life. And there's times when it's literally the best thing that I could be doing in that moment. It's just, you know, but that's what we've dedicated our lives to doing. And then when when people are like, oh, well, you know, you should like maybe you should have like a backup plan or something. It's like, right. I didn't need a backup plan. I was good before you shut everything down. Exactly. And then you decide that I can't work anymore. And then you have all these people supporting the idea that, you, that, that we're not allowed to work anymore. And it's like, well, you should find something else to do then. Like, or that it's your fault that they that, that everything's not opening up again. Yeah. Like, like that, that's something that a lot of people have said. It's like, oh, well, y'all down in Florida, you're the reason the rest of the country can't open. And it's like, no, our governor understood that 90% of the income comes from tourism yeah. and the reason why we don't have a state tax is because we get a tax credit because so much of our like our income in the state comes from tourism so he was like well i'm gonna think as a businessman and you know open the state back up and you know what everyone can bitch and complain but y'all are still coming down to the beaches, That's aren't right. y'all? Like, That's right. for real, and it Floridians going to the beaches. I'll tell you this right now. Like, yeah, we, for sure. We'll go. We're going to the beaches that y'all don't know about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. It ain't us on fucking St. Pete Beach and Clearwater Beach and Jacksonville Beach and Fort Lauderdale Beach. It is not Floridians. Yeah, 100%. it is people coming down here because they know that they can get out of their house. They know that they can, you know, come down here and, you know, not be, you know social distanced and you know whatnot and when our numbers don't look any worse than like california's or new york's or new numbers york's. are they're shut completely shut down well, at least california is still completely shut down and and our numbers aren't looking any worse than theirs or, we just had the super bowl there was just twenty five thousand people in the stadium and they show i remember watching the news and they showed our numbers and like they actually decreased <laughs> it's very strange yeah i don't know i <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's wild. Because that it's was wild. one of the biggest things they said that Tampa was going to like spike in COVID cases after the Super Bowl, and the numbers actually decreased in COVID cases. Um, in other states, I don't know what they did because you know, like there was people from Tampa going to the to the you know football game, but also it's the Super Bowl, so people come from all across the country and everything so it's not just florida like leave us alone man. yeah like, texas is, texas is fucking open also they should hit texas the way they're hitting florida yeah. no, no one's talking well, the about minute texas, texas like, starts throwing music festivals yeah, that's, that's gonna true. be the big thing the minute that like south by southwest or yeah. like what is it, austin city limits comes back yeah. yeah then we'll talk yeah for sure for sure <laughs> 
Um, all right, so all these experiences have kind of put you in a situation where you've been able to put on your own festivals and mm-hmm. and also you did you were you were you booking the run for Jessica Jones? No, um, the only show that I well I did book one of the venues. The um, the only venue that I booked was uh, Funky Biscuit, and that's because uh, back in two thousand. 17 is it 2000? yeah 2017 I did an OBJ pre-party there okay so I had gotten introduced um, to, to Al. Al from the electric kiff guys yeah because um, I was looking for a venue to do the pre-party show for and he introduced me to Al and um, Tom was like we need a venue like somewhere down south and I was like well I can just call the funky biscuit I can call the guys from there and see if they have the show like if they have the, the date available and he was like yeah like totally do that nice. um but no, I mean, all the players, um, the only two players that I had never worked with before that were on the Jessica Jones bill um, were um, Ben from Goose and DJ Williams were the okay. only two that I had never worked with before. Everybody else I'd worked with extensively. And He's a monster. DJ Williams. Oh, my God. Is this new album out yet? Yes. It is out? It is. Um, the band Shots, Shots Fired. Shots Fired, yeah. Yep. He did his... Uh, actually, when we were on tour, um, the coolest thing about that album... Um, was he mastered all of it himself. He recorded all of it himself. Nice. Um, and while we were on tour, he was uh, mastering down all the tracks. That's awesome. Wow. Um, so like whenever we'd get home or get home, uh, whenever we'd get to whatever home would be when you're on tour, um, whenever we'd get to where we were staying that night, um, DJ actually would would get a hotel and he would just sit there like the entire night and just work on the songs and while we were driving to the other venues he'd sit there with his headphones on in the back of the car and wow, you know master down the tracks and everything so kind of feel like kind of feel like we were just a little bit a part of <laughs> <laughs> of shots pirates album but um but no it was it was actually really really amazing um uh yeah god he was funniest funniest guy in the entire world i absolutely loved getting to know him um, but yeah, like, uh, his album is out and I believe it's available. Um, he has the vinyls. I know that. And then I think it's available on some, pla- some platform, Spotify I, think, I, think, I think it is released on Spotify. Um, but he's also, he's one of the bands that will be playing, uh, fool's engagement nice. for sure. Yeah. Awesome. We're going to bring him back down. Yeah. He couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to come back down. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm just, he had such a blast with us. Yeah, just like being able to be out and gigging again. It oh, was, for sure. What he's, I can't imagine Carl Denson's doing very much right now. Um, no, and that's why um, uh, he's coming down as like his solo project and everything like that. Just yeah. because like Carl's really like, it's the same thing with like um, Umphreys or String Cheese Incident and stuff. Um, we have Kick the Cat, which is... Um, um, Drummer from Umphreys. I've met him like ten times. I don't know his name. I love Umphreys. Chris, Chris Myers. Chris Myers. Chris Myers. Um, I was going to say Chris Humphreys, but no. Cots playing. Um, so he wanted to do his solo project. DJ Williams, you know, he's doing his solo project, and, and they're all um, coming down to Florida. Yeah, they're all coming down for um, Fool's Engagement. Oh, that's badass. Um, and then uh, Jason Hahn's doing one of his solo projects. That's awesome. Jason um, Hahn is uh, a strange. really nice guy. Oh, one of the sweetest. Yeah, I played with him at a at Blue Jay Listening Room with him, Joe Marcinek, and oh, uh, love and Joe Marcinek. Yeah, that that yeah, Joe's an awesome guy. He was on the podcast uh, like last year, and uh, yeah, Jason Hunt, I, I, you're 
it's like people always say like you don't want to meet your idols and stuff like that mm-hmm. but he was just such a nice and genuine person oh he's he's probably got one of the most like biggest hearts that i've ever like i've ever seen like yeah. he's just like so hospitable he's so like caring he's so loving and he definitely like just loves to like meet people and be around people and yeah everything. like and he was like telling me all about his, his experiences recording like out in la like in the 90s when mm-hmm. he was like he was on like doctor he was on the chronic album dr j's album really? and, yeah i didn't, I didn't did, either and i've known jason for like five years yeah it's so, like yes. he just that's did, a big one yeah. i'm mad at you now jason <laughs> i would be bragging about that all day yeah he was he's just like he's just like talking about and, and like had no problem like like i was asking real questions too mm-hmm. like about like how does uh how how the royalty stuff work? How does the payment stuff work on that? Yeah. And without getting you know without asking for any real numbers, but he had no problem just letting me know like all this shit. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I just want to be a studio musician like that. But he gets to do it all. He gets to be a studio musician. He gets to tour with like f- like huge bands. Yeah. And like you know, it's just it's it's awesome. And for for him to be that humble. You know, to be so talented and also successful, it's just, it's cool. Oh, for sure, for sure. And he's just, like, one of the most humble people, too. Yeah. That's the other thing is, like, I've met a lot of artists that have um, huge bravados. Yeah. And everything, too. And it's just, like, you know. <laughs> Bill. Hey, how you doing? I'm Billy. <laughs> okay. Happy yeah. birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, I've met, I've met people who have, like, huge bravados. And I've also met people who are, you know, insanely famous who are just the most humble people in the entire world, you know. Um, George Lopez, I'm not going to lie, George Lopez is probably one of the, like, my favorite people that I've ever um, met and had the privilege to work with. And, you know, he was like, he did the whole meet and greet and stuff um, with all the, like his VIP guests. And um, I mean, he was just like sitting there and just like every single person, like he's talking to him for like five minutes, a, you know, a person and like really getting to like spend that time with them. And then I've seen these bands. It was, I worked with like an EDM DJ and I forget what his name was. Huh? Skrillex. No, not Skrillex. Um, but sure? he was just like, I mean, he was just like, eh, eh, you know, like kind of just like, you know, like waving people off and oh, those stuff. Guys are like super he didn't, nerdy though. like he didn't even like care like that these people like paid like, all this extra money to like be able to like just shake your hand, dude. Like yeah, show some I, kind of gratitude no, for that. So I don't, you know? I don't mean super nerdy in the sense no, where like I, I'm saying like, like, like all the, you, anti-social. All no, all you musicians are nerdy. Yeah, that's true. If you replaced strings and snare heads with goblins and elves it's the same thing yeah yeah <laughs> like, I'm totally sorry. you guys are about as nerdy as D&D kids but <laughs> yeah we, we, <laughs> def- we definitely awesome. that's amazing for sure. thank you especially jazz musicians I'd say oh for sure or the nerdiest right the nerdiest yeah I agree the keep nerdiest. going what were you saying though the, I'm not a jazz musician <laughs> I just respect the art form. Billy hates jazz, so yeah, that's why he likes to Yeah, what level fucking uh, wizard are you, too? Slight high five. She hates jazz. You hate jazz also? I respect jazz. I do, too. But it's not what I would like to ever it's listen stupid. to. It's stupid. I feel you. It's, it's not it's, stupid. It's, it's actually dumb. pretty intellectual. It's collegiate, it's actually. Oh, Most people go to right school now. to learn it. I'm just saying. Shh. Just saying. You're level 36 paladin, you said? Yeah, I, level 36. <laughs> Fuck you. He's, anyway. He's... <laughs> he's <laughs> Uh, fucking what's w- your damage? Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's your damage? Well, Zero charisma, all just nerd. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's uh, your this power. Is a, this is a fun dynamic. I love this right here. This is cool. No, it's great. <laughs> no, talk more about jazz. Everyone um, loves it. No. <laughs> But what I meant about the EDM guys are, are are usually like really techie. That's like more. Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. So they're a little bit more like like so there's a lot of musicians. I mean, EDM guys can be very outgoing too. But just a lot of the times, like like they're 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 working on like the computer programming end of the mm-hmm. music thing. So it's like they're a lot of them are just very like techie. So they can be a little off putting. Yeah, you know? they're they're a little bit more um, shy. Yeah. from what I've I've come to kind of see is you know with working with all of them and. Yeah you know yeah compared to like people who are like 
you know, guitar players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, keep going. Well, I, I, know. I, I will say I've had, I've had my moments where like I get off the stage. I'm like, I can't deal with talking to anybody right now. It's oh, not, that's absolutely. not a bad thing. I mean, that's sorry. It's not, that's not a good thing, but it, it, there just is those times where like, I can't, and we're not at a state at the stage at all where we can be like, putting off mm-hmm. people like we have to be like you have to talk to, to everybody you have to talk to yeah that's how i feel like whenever i like with with uh especially with like um obj and um monster mash and with ghouls engagement like everyone knows that like you know you're the main like you know one of the promoters and stuff and you're like you know especially with obj because i've been just so integral into that festival now um for you know nine years and it's like everyone wants to talk to you and like you can't drive the golf cart more than like five feet without somebody like stopping you. And yeah. there's and like there's times where you just like go into the, like an RV and just lock yourself away because you're just like, okay, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes without anyone talking to me. Like that's all, I, you know, sometimes that's all you want because it does become a little overwhelming sometimes, you know, um, just to like constantly like have that, you know, barrage of, you know, stuff like social stimulus yeah you ever totally see, um uh michael jordan's uh documentary that just came out a little while i ago? watched a little bit of it i didn't finish all of it there's just one scene that stuck out to me the most which is um we're at the height of his fame and he's still like the most famous person on the planet still. oh yeah but uh he he was just like in his hotel room in the dark smoking a cigar and he's like i can't go anywhere else yeah you, you do you feel a little overwhelmed sometimes yeah. and and so i kind of get when people are dicks they're not even being dicks they're just like this is well, the it's, thousandth person okay, that so i've had to say hi it's to today yeah. it's, it's it's get um it's not so much as being a dick it's um taking the time out for yourself so that you're not yeah. a dick no 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 yeah, exactly that's what yeah. i'm trying to say you know sure. and you you're do not, need that sometimes and everybody you know you, everybody needs that sometimes like you can't be available to everyone 24 yeah. 7 like you know like that's unfair to ask that of somebody yeah Sad Michael you know Jordan like like saddest though it's it was <laughs> <laughs> the person i've ever seen in my life sorry but it definitely <laughs> like um you know it does it does become a little overwhelming at some point in times where you just need to like get away from everyone and just not be like just just not be around anyone just like sit there in the quiet yeah and just not hear anything and oh yeah you know like oh, it yeah. does like because you know you do need that mental reset sometimes that's Especially how when you're i on feel the road. i feel that way all the oh, time yeah. people feel like uh or, or think that i'm standoffish and really i just get uh, uh overstimulated with a bunch of people around me. yeah i've noticed that it almost makes you like i mean i'm a, i'm a very outgoing person and i've never yeah, had too. A, i've never had a problem like talking to people and there's been times where like i'm just so Overstimulated that I, I literally just like cannot talk to people like and you and, I agree. And, like you feel awkward like just it, like in your own skin and you're just like you know like yeah you, I want to almost like want to become recluse for that yeah. reason I want to like please sure. everybody at all times and like be funny and everything like that when there's like a hundred people trying to talk to you I'm like I can't do this I, can't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to say to all of you at one time oh yeah, yeah exactly one hundred percent I definitely agree with and that it's, it's the worst uh, before I play too because I'm I'm always thinking about the show that I'm gonna play right mm-hmm. but afterwards I'm just like ah whatever I can do whatever I want to now but like if you see me before a show and I'm playing in front of like a, even a festival or like I'm mm-hmm. the worst person to be around yeah I'm just so clammy yeah usually I can never stop talking so. Yeah. Well, I mean, anyway. shoot, I was like nervous as can be coming on this little podcast and stuff because, like, it's a good I'm- size, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because um, I'm so used to being behind the scenes and everything so, that, like, so are we. That- <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. All right, that's but that, like, one. being like, in, like, being the person who, like, in the forefront and yeah. everything, just like, it definitely, like, 
it, this is a very, very new experience yeah. for me, for sure. You know, no, definitely, definitely. That's <laughs> well, why it's cool though to get that perspective because it is so. That, yes, what it, we're trying to do, like, is uh, brought on the horizon is about like you know, especially that was our main goal too, was to be like, hey, if you want to start a band, if you want to, you know, know what the music industry is mm-hmm. like, here's your first look into it. We've, we've got, we've got like, we probably start at college. <laughs> I'm with the, uh, amount of, with the amount of material that we have and information. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of there's for sure. No, absolutely. Everything that you said today is just like just mind blowing. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I never thought of that dumpsters. That's all I've ever. Yes. That, yeah, <laughs> like that's honestly like that, that's one of the biggest things is like somebody I always, like I've, I've been asked that question that. before. They're like, they're like, what's the biggest thing that people dumpsters. would never think about when you're throwing a music festival? And I was like, dumpsters. Yeah, dumpsters. I, I, I ne- like I've, dumpsters, radios, golf carts. Yeah, uh, I've seen you know, those. Like, I, I never thought of. I, but dumpsters, like dumpsters, is something that like people never ever Any, think every about festival. because like where are you gonna put all the trash, yo? Yeah, every festival from that's now the biggest on, thing. Like you got to think about how much trash like, a festival accumulates, especially OBJ in a five five days. Yeah, totally. Five days, like Humans you know how much, like especially if it rains one year and like yeah. and people are throwing away pop ups and stuff. Ugh. I mean, like totally. You know, it's like it it it's, that's the one thing that never ever would occur to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm a I'm a I'm gonna check the. From now on, at every festival, the dumpster situation. I'll get back. You check to the you. dumpster situation. <laughs> that's a great band name. I'm gonna write that down. Dumpster situation. Dumpster situation. Yeah, that's good. There you go. That's for today. Um, oh, all right. Well, we uh, with time has flown by. We oh, have to yeah. uh, get to Surely. unpopular opinions. So we do a segment at the end oh, called unpopular okay. opinions. So Billy and I usually do three, and at the end of that, we give our guests one unpopular opinion. So think about it while we're doing our thing, and then uh, we'll let you have your your thing at the end. You go so first this time. I go first. Yeah, all right. I gotta write this band name down. So uh, dumpster situation. Dumpster right? Yeah, okay. So, my first unpopular opinion is that Cape Fear sucks. Man, wasn't that like week one that you said that? No, I didn't Have say you I. Cape Fear before? No. It's a really bad movie. No. It's a really bad movie. It's a bad movie. You know who Martin yeah. Scorsese is, right? Yes. Okay, so he, like in the 80s, when like at the height of cocaine, uh, he was like, I'm going to make a horror movie with Robert De Niro. A thriller, not a horror movie. Whatever. And uh, Robert De Niro uh, is a like. Uh, Georgia born Savannah boy and it has like the worst other accent you've Oh my god, it's amazing. But thank you. It's and bad. Then, and it just keeps on getting better. Yeah, so was is so is Evil Dead and now I that's a cult that. classic. But that's how it is. Yeah, that, that's that there's there's mm-hmm. things that Rocky that, Horror Picture Show was like like got one of the some it, of the worst reviews. Yeah. Well, like some of the worst reviews when it first came out and now that one's I mean cult classic i feel like those movies are for oh, yeah. oh my god for, i feel like those movies are for people that watch movies in the way that musicians listen to music oh absolutely that's why they get bad reviews it's like this isn't really made like like like, like it's some, not made for everyone yeah exactly exactly I, I hate to disagree with you i know this is a popular opinion but i feel like it's the other way around i feel like the people that are giving it like the bad reviews are the people that are like saying that you know every marvel movie is great and the, why it's a cult classic is because well, like the people who actually do like movies like it. That's yeah. what I just said. Yeah. Oh, I didn't understand. Yeah, that's what I said. Anyways, what's your unpopular opinion? Yeah, number one, my, mine's kind of long-winded and silly, and I wrote this a while ago, right before uh, Super Bowl. Okay. Are you Bucks fans? Did you live down there? I am. Congrats, congrats I, to you. Thank you very much. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I grew up being like a like kind of split because my parents are from Cleveland, Ohio. Mm. Um, so Sorry. I kind of grew up as like a Bucks and Browns fan, which I mean was the worst. Yeah, that's great. I mean, do you want to know the worst? I could have thrown the Miami Dolphins in there and yeah. I just had the trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I like I like the Miami Marlins and the Jaguars, so we're doing. Great. Uh, yeah. Don't talk about the Marlins. Oh, that's okay. And um, <laughs> yeah, you did, you did great was, in the World Series. I hate that. Maybe don't. I hate He's not them. a Marlins fan. 
No, I hate. And you watch baseball, so you know that Tampa was in the World Series, right? There you mm-hmm. go. You're an idiot. Anyways, here. <laughs> so this is about the weekend, actually. Uh, Michael Jackson was just like the Beatles, and he was the first iconic pop star. Anyone who imitates him is like any band that imitates the Beatles. Unrelated, the weekend is great. Unrelated, the weekend's great. I think. Um, I think the weekend is just trying to be the new Michael Jackson. He's trying. Yeah, but so did um Bruno Mars. Yeah, those we were talking you know, about outside. Like, definitely for sure. But and I mean, Justin Timberlake and all yeah, that. Yeah, but I, I mean, it. like music's gonna repeat itself. Right. Like, there's like, <laughs> if you thought you wrote an original lick, you didn't. Yeah. Uh, that's all I'm trying. There's to- been so many like key lines, bass lines, drum lines, everything that there. There's so many different music like musicians and you know music genres and recorded you know music Mm -hmm. in the world now at this point that eventually somewhere down the line you stole some lick from somebody yeah i I agree and that's what i'm trying to say the if if uh uh you're uh saying the weekend's just like michael jackson then you're saying that any band every band it's just like every band yeah well yeah that's what i'm trying to say because they all stole it from the beatles Beatles did it first yeah number two Uh, so uh, speaking of the Beatles, uh, George Martin was the actual fifth Beatle and not Billy Preston. I Ooh. I don't I, I I never thought that Billy oh. Billy Preston was ever considered the fifth. He Beatle. was one hundred percent considered oh, yeah. the fifth Beatle. I always thought it was Brian Epstein. Brian Epstein was their manager. I know, yeah. and that's who was called their fifth. Beatle. No, it wasn't. No. It, was, it was it was Billy Preston. Because he played all the key stuff on like the later albums. He played Forget Back and that's it. What else did he play? He in? played all the key stuff on their he later played, albums. And this is how Side Hustle broke up. Yeah. <laughs> this is our <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> this is our relationship. We just fight. I'm, I'm asking. Oh, okay. I no. know he did get back. Yeah, no, and he, I know we, I know that uh, uh 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 come together. But I'm like all of it? He did a lot of the stuff, that's why he was considered the fifth be- the fifth Beatle. Mm-hmm. He's not even English. He was. I'm just telling you what what the, what I'm just telling you. You have you, to be English to be a Beatle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> That's number one. Another reason why he's not the fifth Beatle. George yeah. Martin is. There you go. <laughs> he's George Martin's a whole sound. Like uh, oh, I thought uh, you said Billy Preston was the fifth Beatle. That's he what he was the one say. who considered as the fifth Beatle. I never heard that. Okay, I always thought it was George Martin. George Martin is. That's what I'm saying. George Martin is the fifth Beatle. Oh, not unpopular then. It's an unpopular opinion. In this Gosh. room, it's not. It's two to one. So, <laughs> uh, number two. Um, uh, 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 when I retire, this isn't even. I, I don't even. Wanna, You're a musician. You're uh, never retiring. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I'm sorry, I said, honey. I said. Uh, uh, I know it sucks. I think. I, I think. I think. I'm just. I want to be in a band. I'm sorry. I want to be in a reggae band and just play the keyboard stats on the upbeat from now on, and just do this. For so you're gonna wanja it? No. <laughs> <laughs> One Base, basically launch it out um i mean i it, if, if, if you could do anything it would be a uh, baseline in a reggae band no that's like the hardest gig. oh it's no it's not it's the easiest it, it, the disagree. thing the thing with the so baselines yeah that, that's the thing that's, that's yeah, difficult I'm, about I'm the baselines the in reggae. It's, it's, a, it's the feel of the of the baseline the drums uh, in reggae music that makes it a little bit more difficult what you got to do on the guitar and the piano usually and this is just very generic version of so, reggae it's just yeah. do the upbeats you know mm, boom boom i'm literally boom, i'm playing boom. Every that's very generic regular. That's right not true now. at all. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> oh I can also God. do this. Yeah. Okay. Oh my goodness. Billy's heard like five reggae songs in his life, so <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking They're about. All the same. That's yeah. Pro- that's probably what I should oh, say. Goodness. All reggae is exactly the same. Okay. Um, so my third unpopular opinion is that the true crime phenomena right now is going to inspire uh, an entire industry. So basically, what 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 I'm saying is that it's going so to incentivize people to kill. 
people no. in order to, to drive the industry what? forward. What? So you think like okay, so do you think like serial killer documentaries is gonna birth more serial yes, killers? Yes, exactly that. I totally do too. Yeah, hundred percent. We're glorifying yeah. them like well, crazy. It's becoming a multi-billion dollar industry. Well, it's not only just that you're teaching them like what they did wrong. Exactly. And, like, you know, like exactly. What you, what you need to know right um, now. I think that started though the whole true crime like phenomenon, like that obsession. I really do equate it to Dexter. I think Dexter was a major catalyst, at least making it mainstream. It, yeah, for sure. There was sure. definitely like a niche gonna, for a I'm long time, bring but yeah. Up Bundy, I think that's who started. But anyways, uh, okay. uh, do, oh. do you know how? Many how about Jack the Ripper before the back in the eighteen? And we're really gonna go there. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Uh, uh, do you know how many murders happen in America every year? I'm talking yes. about serial no, killers. No, just guess. How many? I don't, I don't know. know. 300,000. Okay, that's murders. We're not talking about serial killers, though. We're, we're not talking about murders. Serial killers. Serial killers have to, you at least have to murder like multiple Three people, people. yeah, in oh, a yeah, certain yeah, yeah, yeah. way. No, I understand. And, and, and even uh, uh, FBI is most wanted. They said at any given time uh, in the country, there's about 75 to 100 serial killers. Yeah. Right now. And, and serial killers don't typically. I'm, I'm, I really like it a lot. Yeah, yeah I no. Love the true crime stuff. And serial killers, but that's what I'm saying, though. It's like. There's only a, like 75 to 100 active serial killers right now. They're not committing 300,000 so murders so a year. So you think there's like there's like this guy that's like watching like true crime and he's like just been real nervous to murder and then he's just like, oh, but you know, I think I, I yeah, got absolutely. the motivation. Not only 100%. You get the glory, but you have the industry, the people that like that are on this like the documentary side that are making these are there's like, no hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pay somebody killer. to do some shit. We're gonna fund your serial killing spree, and then we're going yeah. to create a documentary about it, and then we'll have the real inside scoop, and then oh, we'll yeah. create the best documentary ever. I, I think know. that's gonna create. I, I just think that whenever there's when, whenever there's like a a phenomenon like that pop culture takes it to the next level. I'm saying the next level is funding serial killing sprees. Oh, absolutely. I just watched, uh, uh, I, I didn't really do much research about the, um, uh, I, 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 like we're talking about it in like a lighthearted tone, but the mass shooting that happened in Las Vegas at the festival. Oh, right. yeah. I didn't know, I thought there was just a guy who was uh, down there like shooting people. No, he was at the, ho the hotel. I had no idea. Really? I watched, I watched it like the... I, I, that's that the narrative they want you to believe insane. anyways. That, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. You know, getting goosebumps sinking and everything like that. But the end game to all this like serial killer murder stuff is you die or you get raped in prison until, or get killed in prison. Like Jeffrey Dahmer just got beaten to death with his hand yeah. in prison. There's not going to be We'll see. We'll, see. see. we'll not, see. I don't know. Like I don't know. I agree with you. I, I'm just I'm saying. Gonna, it's I'm going to give a popular opinion on this one. It's, like, it's not going to be like, oh, yeah, the judge is like, oh, how many people did you kill? Just two? Oh, okay. We'll just give them like a couple years. It's not going to happen. Of course it's not going to happen. I'm just saying that. Oh, if you, if you we'll kill see anybody what happens. in Florida and he we'll, plays with capital punishment, they kill I definitely you. think we'll it's going to become harder to identify who the serial killer is. Yeah. As yeah. well because of these true crime things. Yeah, because they're, they're, like, they're learning. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're studying yeah. Wh what you can and can't get I'm away with. That's what the whole point is, but mm. yeah. it's okay. Is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is my uh, last one, and I apologize if this offends you or if you are <laughs> part of one of these people. Uh, so uh, people, people who can't eat bread or gluten should be left behind. Oh, yeah, that's like genetic Darwinism. Darwinism. <laughs> that's genetic Darwinism. If you can't eat bread, Thank like, you. something's wrong with you, boo-boo. That's, that's, like, like, <laughs> they, they that's pretty about, good. They laugh about all the time. Like the, Just saying. The most bland bread. Thing. You can't eat bread. Can't bread. bread. Yep. Ow. I can get lactose intolerance more than I can get. It's literally what Billy was saying earlier. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. One hundred percent. I'm on that one. You're you're on page with every one of our unpopular opinions. Which is such <laughs> you guys are gonna yeah. hate my unpopular there, opinion. There hasn't been one. Oh, that I can't been wait to hear. Yeah. Yeah. What's ahead, your unpopular right. opinion? Bring it home. IPAs aren't that good of a fucking beer. Oh, well, that was one of our unpopular yeah. opinions a while back ago. Actually, well, not 
Not no, that was one of my yeah, yeah. IPAs aren't that good of a beer. I think they taste like salt water. Um, I think that the hype of them are like, well, number one, um, they have way more calories in them than any other beer. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, like people are like, oh, I get so full drinking beer. Like, well, no, you're drinking 250 calories every single time you drink one IPA. Right. You know, compared to I a lager, which is beer. Like, when, like compared to a lager, which I think is like 100. Yeah. Maybe. That's why I drink lagers um, now. And. They, they just don't taste good. They don't taste good. I'm sorry. They they don't. I don't like the... I, They're I, supposed to taste better like coffee. I, I kind of... I can drink black coffee. I drink black coffee and yeah. I cannot stand IPA. Do you know what my least favorite beer is? What? Yingling. Happy birthday, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's Blasphemy. I'm out of here. She, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, this has been a really fun episode. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Thank you guys so really much. informative, I would say. Yeah. Happy birthday a million times. Yeah. I love you I, I, I celebrate people's birthdays like crazy. Happy, happy, happy birthday. Oh, I appreciate it so much. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. And we'll uh, see you guys next time. Adios. Bye. Adios, muchachos.